Welcome, everyone, to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my Star Wars sidekick, who is always at my side, Hostway. I underestimated this, w- this week again. <laughs> yeah, it was a big, varied week. Mm-hmm. And books of different sizes, I will say. <laughs> my stack yep. is leaning a little bit, so... <laughs> yeah. I'm excited, though. It was good stuff. Very good stuff. And, um some stuff that'll probably be around at the end of the year i'll say so we'll see (laughs) so i'm excited to talk about it as you guys know we are here to talk about comic books but as always we do start with a few bits of news and i do got quite a few things this week um some of this is not going to be comic book related but i don't care (laughs) suck it (laughs) like so um i'm gonna start with the most not comic book related ever and but i'm very excited to talk about it because me and Josue get to geek out a little bit. Oh, yes. Um, community, we're yes. finally getting the movie. <laughs> so It's finally uh, happening. <laughs> it's finally happening. Uh, we are both really big fans of Community. And we finally did get an announcement that coming to Peacock, they are getting the, the movie. They said with the original cast. Mm-hmm. But we don't know who all will be back. I we, mean, like the... We do know Joel McHale, Danny Pudi, Allison Brie, Gillian Jacobs, Jim Rash, and Ken Jeong are back. We know that much. That's the one. I I, I hadn't seen uh, Jim Rash be tagged, but I mean, I can only assume how could you have a community movie without the Dean? Yeah. Uh, but but Joel McHale also, when he tweeted it out, he also did tag Donald. I did th- I did see that. I don't know if that was to make people bother him, <laughs> which is what <laughs> I would do. Um. Yeah, but that's really cool. I'm very excited. I think it's going to be really great. Um, so now you said you saw Joel McHale's Twitter post tagging it, right? Mm-hmm. So you might have noticed that he didn't tag Gillian Jacobs. Uh-huh. He accidentally tagged Gillian Anderson <laughs> from X-Files fame. Oh, amazing, no shit. Amazing actress. Yeah. And she replied, Gillian Jacobs who? I'm in Joel McHale. That's awesome. (laughs) How great would that be if just on a stupid typo, they find a place for her in fucking community. Dan Harmon finds a spot to put Gillian Gillian Anderson in. I would absolutely love that. So, and it's, it's like the perfect meta show. That's like how (laughs) that that he would find a spot for her. Yep, exactly. Um, I'm excited for Patrick Brewster to come back. Oh, she was amazing. Frankie was She was amazing as like one of the newcomers after like so many people had left the show and there was obviously holes that were being filled, like that were that were missing. It was hard to fill in. She was amazing. Like she was really, really that good. That line in the last episode, she's like, Well, as a humble new cam- newcomer who came in here and nailed it. I was like, No <laughs> <Yes>. kidding. <laughs> right? Like one hundred percent. Yeah. So um the next thing I wanted to talk about is a little bit of uh, power ranger news actually um so the big showdown mighty Morphin power rangers 100 came out Mm -hmm. and we had the big showdown with the death ranger and in the process a couple things happened uh so first of all the um (laughs) the death ranger revealed the full might i'm gonna quote this the full might of the omega rangers angelic mega sword Nice. Mega Zord here. So I'm going to send you a link. There's a shot. Um, it's uh, the Ultra Gold Omega Zord is what it's called, I believe. And oh, shit. It's pretty dope looking. <laughs> like, so, um, 
But that was during the big fight and everything. So this finally wrapped up the Death Rangers story, which led to a very interesting story that I think is really cool. As part of it, Jason, the original Red Ranger, uh, lost his connection to the grid forever. Oh. Yeah, he had to give up his connection to the Morphin grid as part of the sacrifice. So, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, it is what it is. And I know he, I've heard not great things about Austin St. John. Uh, So, yeah. So, I mean, it's not that big of a sacrifice in that, but it is interesting that that had to happen. Um, And yeah, just, it's just very interesting, a lot going on there. So, this would be a really good time to jump on the Rangers because they're wrapping up the story. That was 100. Now they're going to move on to new things. So I saw the 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 connecting variants for 101 to 105, and the Rangers that are being included look so fucking sick. Um, I kind of want to jump at least at least for for that run to if I could find the the connecting variants because I'm god damn it. They, they they also released a tease or at least like the the variants to uh, 101, mm-hmm. and there's a dope david mack pink ranger one but it's a one in 50 incentive cover oh. so you can so you can imagine the price on that one but it looks so good <laughs> brutal man yeah so i can imagine like he'll he'll be doing one for each ranger for each cover yeah and oh the to, to have that collection the david mack power rangers collection oh come on yeah uh, yeah that'd be great <sighs> um i have some other news here before we move on to the big stuff um it's a little bit of sad news. Uh, Carlos Pacheco, legendary artist, legendary comic book artist, uh, ha- has announced recently that he had to step away from comics for a while because he was diagnosed with ALS, oh. also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a horrifically painful thing. Um, unfortunately, it has progressed to the point that it he might not be coming back. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, it is what he, he says. Um, uh, originally, this tweet was in Spanish, but it was translated. It said, well, it cannot be. The final diagnostic has made it clear. ALS, uh, it is what it is, and it's what it needs to be It needs to be dealt with. It's true that it's an unexpected turn of events in my life. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to the good stuff. Um, basically, thank you, everyone. He just thanks, everybody. Um, he was experiencing paralysis in his leg basically is what happened. Um, so he does say, he said in April when he originally had the diagnosis that he'll be back, but, um, it does look like he has basically confirmed he's done and he's not going to basically be able to come back to comics as it is, mm-hmm. um, which sucks because yeah. he is incredible. Um, and just, just a legend. So give him love guys on Twitter. He's a really, really great dude. Um, his final work he posted on Twitter and I'm going to be talking about it later tonight. So we'll talk about it a bit. Ooh, okay. Uh, so uh, that is it for the indie stuff, except for uh, Sam and Twitch from spawn have been given new action figures from McFarland Mar- toys. It's kind of cool. I used to like Sam and Twitch, um, but uh, I don't know. I just over spawn, <laughs> but I just thought I'd mention it. So, um, Next up, let's talk about... Let's go to DC first. <laughs> okay. There's this new series, and 
I had a thought reading Batman comics this week where I was like, you know, if Joker is such a character that just sells books naturally, why are there so many ads for his books? Don't they just sell without being advertised? But whatever. <laughs> um, this new book, <sighs> Batman and the Joker, the deadly duo. Oh yeah. Mark Silverstreet has described it as a buddy cop horror story where <laughs> Joker and Batman have to work together. Why does this exist? <laughs> like, like Mark, you couldn't think of anyone else. Just, oh, like I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I just want to bring it up. So, next up, uh, DC is doing some more. You know, like the big thing right now is '90s variant covers. Mm-hmm. Now they're doing embossed foil covers, and I remember these. These were fucking terrible when I was a kid. <laughs> And I kind of want the Wildcats one. Uh, so they're just hideous. Hideous. And yeah, they're just, for those who don't know. Oh, yeah. Their covers, you can't really see what's going on. There's no color. There's like one color is the whole cover. And it's just embossed. And it's just like, I'd rather just see cool art. You know what I mean? But yeah, we've definitely moved on from these, from these specific things. Yeah. We tried it. Like you said, it didn't really work out. I do like the Wildcats one, but it's because I'm really going to enjoy Wildcats. Okay, so. like, what I, okay well, I, I'm not going to completely knock it. What I do like about these covers is the old DC logo. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that's the kind of the only thing I had good. like from this. Good. That's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Way to point that out. That's you make me <laughs> uh, Next up, Sandman, the audio series, Volume 3, has been released, and I don't have any Audible credits. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your tweet. I thought it was so funny. It was so sad. I literally was like, uh, what's my wish list? I guess I'll get Douglas Adams, uh, freaking um, Dirk Gently. Never mm-hmm. read it, and I got it, and then like a day later it dropped. I'm like, you've got to be shitting me. <laughs> it was weird. Like They didn't even really advertise and be like, so... You, he teased it. I was just stupid. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, it's my fault. Um... <laughs> But yeah, there is a clip that uh, is available through CBR where you can listen to a very brief clip that does include Kevin Smith's uh, playing Merv Pumpkinhead. So, oh, nice. Yeah, which is really cool. He was in the last one very briefly, but he plays more of a role in Volume 3 if you know the story. So, mm-hmm. um, Next up, we have a, a preview of a book that, I, again, I'm like, fine, but why does this exist? called gotham city year one. Oh right yeah and it's going to be introduces batman's ancestors and a noir mystery now you know that that scene in the simpsons where homer goes that's good and then someone says something goes that's bad and that's good that's that's me with reading this i'm like noir mystery that's good gotham city that's bad tom king that's good <laughs> like, i'm just like and i'm like i don't know if i want any of this like and i'm just like didn't we already have this in the batman and joker and flashpoint and <laughs> gotham <Yeah>. like <laughs> like why do we need this like i don't know it just i'm sure it'll be fine i'm sure i'm actually gonna enjoy it but it just seems weird that we're wedging in another bat book like i don't know speaking of which Positive news I want to end with on DC. <laughs> Batman Wayne Family Adventures is coming back on September 28th, which is oh, yeah. two days ago. So, so <laughs> I'm very excited. It's the best comic that DC publishes. Fight me. Um, Josue, I don't remember if you read it like originally. The first, the first it was, it was the, at the very beginning, but I didn't keep up with it. You should just go through and read it. 
It's fantastic. Okay. It won't take very long. It's the best portrayal of Damien. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason gets a lot of love. Um, extended characters get a lot of love, like Cass and Duke and, you know, Stephanie and nice. them. So it's, it's great. It's, and it ends, it's one of the most positive endings of any Bat book I've read. So I loved it. So. so yeah, check that out on Webtoon, guys. It's fantastic. Also check out the Red Hood and the Outlaws one while you're there. They're both great. Now the Disney news. First of all, the original Blade trilogy will now be available to stream on Hulu starting nice. in October. Awesome. So that's great. I can watch Blade 1 and Blade 2 all over again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not actually, Trinity. I, I actually like Trinity. I, I hate that I like it, but I like it. I really do. <laughs> like, I try my best to hate that movie, but I don't. Um, this, the first one, I think, is very underrated, though. Oh, the first one is really good. I, I really love the first one. Blade 2 uh, is obviously the best of the movies. Yes. It's, it's yes. Like, every time I see it, it's like, I feel like I should be... I feel like I should like two less every time, but I just I fucking love two. It's just so good. The whole gang of vampires working with him, yeah, story, that works so well. Mm-hmm. And the first one, the thing that uh, Stephen Dorff is the bad guy, which works so well. He's so oh, good as as Frost. Oh, he is so fucking good as Frost. Yeah, like he set a bar for villain portrayal in superhero movies for a while. Yes, honestly, yeah, like, yeah. To, to just, like, he's obviously not intimidatingly looking, but, like, his whole persona, his whole, like, just aura is just, like, like you do not want to fuck with him. Like, it's just, like, it's it's a good portrayal. Yeah, he goes for it, too. He doesn't yeah. leave nothing on the table. <laughs> like, I love mm-hmm. that. So, so yeah, if you want to rewatch them, they're going to be on Hulu starting next month in basically two hours for us. So that's cool. <laughs> next up, Oh man. Okay, so remember how we're getting the um the Gargoyles comic that's coming? Yeah. And we were looking at variant covers. There's another amazing variant cover I have to show you. Um this is the it's an homage to the old Justice League International cover. Oh yeah. Yeah, but with the gargoyles, you can look down you can scroll down a little bit and you can see them side by side. Comparing them, yeah. I really like it. <laughs> like I'm like Damn it. Like, so good. Such yeah, a good I like cover. it. <laughs> so, uh, I'm really excited about that. Uh, and that's by George Combadeus, who I'll be talking about later today. Hmm. So, yeah. Next, after that, um, we know that Miles is ending, and we're going to talk about a little bit later what's happening, Miles Morales' book. But it's going to relaunch in December. And with the new creative team, uh, we, I think we talked about it before. Um, but they are going to have a new creative team. So Saladin Ahmed ends his incredibly long run, mm-hmm. um, an amazing run. Um, and it's going to be passed on to Cody Ziglar and Federico Vicentini. Um, and we do know now that it appears he will be going back to his original costume. It's classic costume. Right. With, with the cover. Yeah, it, it was noticeable. I was wondering how or if they're going to explain it. Um, yeah. But cool. And we have the first five covers. I just sent it to you. Includes two Peach Momoko covers. Oh, nice. And I kind of want them both. Oh, because of the two different suits. Yeah, I did see these. I do want yeah. those for the, the, the comparisons. And But the cover A is so fucking good, too. I know. They're all good. Like, I really like them. Uh, even the little kitty one. I like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. I, I've been seeing solicitations of all these like kitty covers, and there's one coming up. Oh, no. Sorry, no. I was, I was thinking about this Pe- Peach Momoko doing a, a thing one, and the way yeah. she draws his jaw is just incredible. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. So, yeah, they'll be curious. Um, I might jump on at that point. 
Cool. When they reboot Miles, because I mean, it's it's a one. It's a good time to start. And and like I said, uh, um, what I read into it, it's a uh, he'll be he'll be being mentored by Misty Knight. Oh, that's pretty cool. We'll, like we'll be the mentor of the book. I like that. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Although, does Miles need a mentor at this point? At this point, probably not. But there's a whole new figure that's like you can't. Im- I can't imagine what what he could learn from her. Yeah, it's also going to be curious to see what happens when we leave end of the spider-verse okay i think we're going to change the status quo of the spider-man world mm-hmm. and that might change things for miles too so we'll see yeah yeah and the final bit of news is we do know after judgment day presuming we make it through judgment day <laughs> um we do have a couple crossovers come up including dark web but also sins of sinister and i saw how sweet tweet a little bit about this yes uh, this is going to be next year and I thought it was just going to be like, okay, Sinister is a bad guy. Okay, cool. But no. No. Um, since the Sinister appears to be, quote, an entire universe cursed by Mr. Sinister while showing off new takes on familiar characters. So, this is going to be basically Age of Apocalypse, but it's Sinister instead. It really looked that way. Like, I mean, like all, all those, like the left side of like of the that teaser was like a mesh of characters, and then everybody's been going crazy over like that quote unquote Nightcrawler one, Nocturne. I'm I'm pretty sure oh, that Nocturne. is Nocturne actually. Oh, cool. Is, is okay. alternate reality daughter, but maybe a different version of her because mm-hmm. the original version's in a different universe. And okay. I mean, case we're kind of talking about that a bit, but yeah, I think that's her to be honest, and I really like her. But yeah, the, like the primal looking beast in the picture. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. And over on the right side, is that Rasputin finally coming back? Uh, With the sword? The, uh, oh, Rasputin. No, I'm I'm taking this as, as Guardians. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like it like, looks like the soul sword and it's like the whole silver maybe. skin. It's like, I mean, it could be, but... And she was like, like, like the whole I mean, like, Chimera he, he is thing. The, he is the one that wants to do Chimeras. That makes yes. sense, I guess. So. I don't know. We'll find out more, I'm sure. So, But yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, Sinister has kind of been like really openly being a dick and no one's really punished him. So it's nice to see we're finally addressing that. So yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, but yeah, that's all the news I got. Did you have anything else you want to throw out? Um, I thought you are going to pair him up together um, that Blade lost its director due to like scheduling conflicts. And the showrunner for X-Men 97 is in talks to take over. Yeah, and then I think I might pass over that, that they're may, maybe reworking the whole script, which kind of sucks, but we'll see. Hopefully for the better. Oh, and also Armor Wars is going to be a movie. Yes. Not a series. Mm-hmm. So that's a good idea. And then I wanted to mention this. Um, I don't have an official source for this. It's just what I've been told. I did look it up, and I did see a couple people talking about it. Radio Apocalypse from Vault does appear to be on indefinite hiatus right now. <sighs> I, I saw someone put the words that it got shelved as well, literally just today. So yeah, I guess that's that's an update. Makes sense. It's been a while. Rob V basically said we're not going to be able to do it for a while. Didn't really give a reason. He apologized. I mean, you, you um, just look at his side. How many books does he have on his plate? Not that he can't do it. I'm sure he could do it, but it's like might as well just like quality over quantity. Yeah, yeah. I guess I don't know. It sucks, but it is what it is. So. Mm-hmm. Um, right. last, thing I, last thing, sorry, last thing I had. Um, it's more of a teaser, but and I know I'm. We're, I know we're going to be talking about it next week, but I just can't fucking help. Uh, can't help myself right now, mostly because he teased it himself. But uh, Rich Duick 
he finally teased oh, yeah. he finally teased the third uh do a cormac book coming out and it'll be revealed next week at new, uh, new york comic-con uh, on the fifth so just in time for right before um we record the next week's show but the little tease we have wrote bones which is like the old, the whole whiteout uh sea of sorrows i loved it for like the abyss of darkness Inky. and the little tease i was giving out look like the most tough. colorful thing that we're going to be getting <laughs> so it's i'm so excited tough. i'm so excited i've i've racked my brain to think about what setting it could possibly be mm-hmm. it looks so psychedelic like the little I'm, just a little bit i'm gonna go with either outer space mm-hmm. or a jungle Ooh, okay yeah because to fit what's going on I don't think he wants to do another big monster again, though. Jungle would be perfect for that, so we'll see. But yeah, I'm excited. I, I yeah, do, seeing it with color is going to be really, really cool. So yes, yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. With that in mind, now we're going to talk about some comic books of the week. As always, we start not with a bang, but a boom, boom. Studios, and I'm going to start off with a graphic novel, actually. Mm. Hollow. Nice. Um, this book is from Boombox, and I highly recommend it. It is an all-ages fantastic story. Written by Shannon Waters. Yes, the Shannon Waters of Lumberjack, Lumberjanes fame. Nice. And Brandon Boyer-White, drawn by Berenice Nell, colored by Caitlin Musto, Kieran Quigley, Gonzalo uh, Lopez, and lettered by Jim Campbell. This is a really fun story about a young girl who moves to a moves to the town where Sleepy Hollow happened and finds oh. out that the whole town is obsessed with Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. And her last name is Crane. Uh. And they're like, oh, a crane, huh? And like, um, she she meets a girl who's very pretty and is descended from the, the girl in the story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously there's like a, a tie there. And she immediately falls for her, of course. So I should mention also amazing LGBT representation. So here's the main character. Oh. And then that's the girl. Nice. There's also a dude who they call Croc, who is the typical gym bro, like... Yeah, bro. Like we're gonna do this. We're 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 great at water polo. It's like yeah, high fiving people and stuff. Um, this is him, and so. Croc is amazing in this book because Croc could be awful, awful in this story. Like he really could be the worst character, but he ends up being amazing because mm-hmm. he is the bro and he has a crush on the girl. You know, like the the blonde. He's just like, oh, I have a crush on. Her. I always thought we'd get together, and then this you know, like mask presenting girl appears and steal and tries to steal the girl that he thinks he loves. And he takes it better than anyone in the world ever should. And I love it. I love him for it. Uh-huh. In fact, at no point does anybody in the story have any problems with the LGBT representation. Like uh-huh. at no point does anyone say, Oh, you're gay or anything like that. And that's what I love about this. Cause we're getting to a point in fiction where we don't have to have that character. Right. You know what I mean? Like where we don't have to have the person who doesn't like that they're gay. Literally everybody's family seems to be on board. There's no problems here. And I really like that. But basically the, the headless horseman keeps showing up for real and uh, chasing people. And, uh, basically the new character crane, Isabel is her name. Uh, 
basically turns and talks to him. He's like, what's, what was wrong? What do you want? And he's like, Oh, thank God. Someone finally talked to me. And, and then he becomes a character and, um, or several characters, I should say. So I'll show you what he looks like. Cause he's great. That's good though. Isabel with, uh, compared to Ichabod. Yeah. So, oh wow. um, it's actually three different ghosts. It's the ghost of the horse, the ghost of oh. the man, and the pumpkin is its own ghost. Oh. And the pumpkin's the only one that can talk. And as the book goes on, he gets more and more cartoony looking mm-hmm. and becomes their buddy. And you find out that basically when the horseman died, he swore to protect her family forever. And oh. that's what he's trying to do is protect her from this demon dude that wants to kill her and sacrifice her. And they all have to work together to stop the demon. It's fantastic. This book is so much fun. It's so cute. And I just, I, I want to buy a copy for my niece. I want to buy a copy for everybody I know that's under like 15. But if you're above 15, you'll probably still really enjoy it. Um, very enjoyable. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. So please pick it up. Uh, I just picked it up on a whim and I really, really enjoyed it. So That's dope. Uh, the Headless Horseman Sleepy Hollow was literally like my favorite American legend when that one was coming up. Like I just like, I love reading that story. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. And um, honestly, I looked at it. I'm like, mm, boombox. I like boombox. And then I was like, oh, Lumberjanes. Mm-hmm. That was enough to make me like, I'll give it a shot. You know what I mean? Nice. So, so that was really cool. Um, next up. Briar number one. Yes. Let's fucking go. <laughs> uh, me and Josue both picked up the Stephanie Hans FOC reveal variant cover because yep. it's beautiful. Written by Christopher Cantwell, illustrated by Herman Garcia, colored by Matthias Lopes, and lettered by Anworld Design. To put it simply, it's a retelling of the Sleeping Beauty story with some really horrific twists at times. I think I, I really, really enjoyed this book. I think the moment that got me and made me go, oh, fuck was when the prince came to save her. And you know what happens, because you read it too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what a piece of shit. And I was just kind of like, oh, man. And it just, it it takes a story we're all very familiar with it and takes it in a completely different direction. But also a really enjoyable idea and something that has a lot of potential for the future of the story. It's like, this is something that doesn't have to end in five or six issues. This could go on for a very long time. Yes. And I love it when we get a map of the world, by the way. Oh, Thank yeah. You. So I can sit and study it for a while. I love this book. It's it it's also very much a boom book. Like, if when you didn't book? tell me what publisher this was, I would guess boom. Okay. Yeah. Like, I really liked it. And boom is slowly but surely getting a really solid, like, horror thriller catalog, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. No, they no, they, they do. Um yeah, like 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 in this book, it just has like these like these three turns where it just makes you like go, "What the fuck?" Um, well, for, for first, but not including of my three was like, yeah, like the the prince being his decision and being such a piece of shit. Um, but then afterwards, it's, it's like the actual visuals. Um, I fucking love when she how she comes back, like 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 the, that yeah. magic, that the magic reality of it. The, there, she's already skeletal, but like the magic that was implied there based on the spell. I, I fucking love that scene. Um, then the fight with the rat, and then the and then the guy at the end that like, when he takes out the knife, but then he does that other thing. You're just like, 
what the fuck is this book? Like, where are you taking me with this book? It's like this this legend that we know, Sleeping Beauty, but it's like it's her next adventure. It's almost like an like a like a like a good sister sequel to to, to the original uh, telling. And I just really love it, and especially the, the, the potential love interest. It's re- I really like the companion character too. Yeah, the the whole it's almost like a once in future, but instead of Arthurian legend, it's fairy tales. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> like, if, it, if it keeps exploring, yeah. Yeah, I really like that. It's so good. So, all right. Next up, Grim number five. What cover did you get? Um, well, I got cover A, but um, this is also like uh, four came out when I was uh, at Afterworld. So I didn't get to show you my number four. It's her, oh, that's her with him with all the records. Yeah, that's awesome. I um, I got this one. Nice. That was featuring cool. the artist of. Uh, oh my god, my mind just went blank. Uh, Mini Deaths of Layla Star. Yes. So, yeah, I love the art. It's so good. I had to get it. So, written by Stephanie Phillips, illustrated by Flaviano, color by Rico Renzi, and letter by Tom Napolitano. We did basically get confirmed something we were thinking was one of our theories of exactly what Jessica's identity is, in that she is the daughter of the Grim Reaper <laughs> and what that entails. And the sacrifice the Grim Reaper had to make to even have her. And it was just really interesting. And I really liked this issue. It was so good. And it really, like, I love this issue or I love this book. It's been really good, but I've been kind of wondering when it was going to point us a direction. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And now this is very much the compass of the book. Like we know where we're going now. We know what, what the point of this is. We know what she needs to accomplish pretty much a lot of the secrets are gone, but per the last page, obviously there's more secrets to be unveiled. So <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it. This, this was a very good issue. I will say. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Uh, well, I'm, we're definitely not going to talk about the epilogue because oh, that'll yeah. definitely come up later. And then we can just like, just dish then. Uh, Cause this is your, this issue really beca- uh, belongs to the green reaper. The fucking dad was oh, yeah. so fucking cool. <laughs> this panel the like hell i can't oh, yeah have have henshin oh fucking daddy oh my god what a dope fucking fight um and no just it just goes to, to prove how much of a badass like to prove that he really was like the grim reaper fighting off like the end like which like something that they probably have to like come up with after he had after he had to step down um it was just such a cool display of power like we were following these these reapers but this episode was a great display of their power and what they can do. And just, it was awesome. I fucking love this issue. It was so fun. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's going to be interesting to see where we go. Oh yeah. And how the epilogue will tie into the future story. So, so. all right. Our final boom book of the week, house of slaughter. Number nine. Uh, So I got the, I got the a cover, but I also got the bag cover. Oh, I thought this was a cover. Oh, maybe it was. Is this not the A? Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. This is the B cover. Huh. Okay. But I also got the bagged cover. Let me see. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. Disgusting. <laughs> so, um, obviously, uh, House of Slaughter, let's run through the creative team, which is always on the back. Uh, story and development by James Tynan IV, written by Sam Johns, illustrated by Letizia Cadonici, colored by Francisco Sagala. Letter by and World Design with design and developments by Werther Deladera. 
Well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> like, oh, we, I don't want to get too in-depth with it, but we do get a revelation a little bit more about Scarlet and about the monster that Scarlet has. And I, my heart was in my throat the entire time I was reading this. It was absolutely shocking and terrifying <sighs> and so fucked up. <laughs> like, and like, like this poor person, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that let's just say that their monster had ulterior motives, yeah, and changed their life in a way that was bad. But it was so well told. I really like the story from a creative standpoint. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't like it because fuck that guy. But you know <laughs> that that's something you can enjoy is hating people. So yes, yeah, it was brutal. What did you think, Josue? I love this series. I love this. I love this franchise. I love that. This like we know the rules. Like we're like we're following um, something that's killing the children. We know the rules. We know how stuff is played. But that doesn't mean those rules can't be bended in going the other way. So getting that reveal here in the in the in the spinoff book, which I fucking love Scarlet so much, that the fact that they can do it too. Or the fact that they can just like present it in this way where it could be accepted to just and then go off that way with their ulterior motives. Oh my god, it was just so fucking good. And then so dark. And, and I love his um his design. Like this page, it just it oh, made yeah. me it made me think like just like aftershock, kind of behemoth like type of style, just like how gritty, how just like more just like it he doesn't have to make sense. He's just like this skeletal thing. Um, only for to have like my heart sink at the last page. Yeah, I fucking hate the ocean. So I love the ocean. I get it. It is very relaxing, but it's shit like this that I just don't <laughs> like about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's. Uh, I had to go back. And he's like, "Oh fuck yeah, you're right. We have been on the boat this whole time. We've just been monologuing this whole time." <laughs> yeah, I like that. It was. It's so good. And if they keep to the first arc, I think the first arc was only five issues. Yeah, I think the next one should be the finale coming up. So, it's, yeah, it should be the finale next, which is... And then what, you think it'll be Azure? Will be the next, the third volume? Going to Blue Masks? Maybe? I hope so, especially with that recent death that we had. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. Hmm. I'm curious. It's been really good, though. I'm enjoying yeah. the ride. So... All right, next up, let's talk about Aftershock Comics. We have one book, and it's the triumphant return of the gigantic oversized Aftershock one-shots. Yes. Which we are very fond of, by the way. Hell is a Squared Circle. Written by Christopher Condon. Art by Francesco Biangini. Uh, color by Mark Englert and letter by Dave Sharp. Hostway got the A cover for, by Jacob Phillips. Yes. Is that the same Phillips as does te- that Texas Blood? Uh, actually, yes. Since it's Chris Condon. <laughs> yeah. And I got the incentive cover by Francesco Francavia. I'll give you another shot to look at it. Yeah, so, that, ah, that's really good. This is very like pulp horror looking. Mm-hmm. I really like that. So obviously, you can tell by the name of it, this is something that appeals to my other great love, which is pro wrestling. <laughs> and it's a really. S- no, sad's not the word. Tragic. Yeah. It's yeah. a tragic tale of a man 
who loves wrestling more than anything and just makes the worst choices <laughs> over and over and how things haunt him. It, it definitely has like that haunting feel of a lot of uh, stories of, you know, the thing that you thought you put in your past is chasing you, you know, it's coming back and it's so good. It's so fucking good. I really enjoyed this. It might be my favorite aftershock, big one shot. Oh yeah. I, I mean, that. part of that's because the wrestling obviously, mm-hmm. but the art's really good. The story is, I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's not too complicated. You know what I mean? Like, right. And I really like that. There's a really disgusting reveal on the last page. That's just done very well. Like, oh, I love this book. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I love wrestling. And ha- thinking that we have this and do a powerbomb at the same time in the comic yeah. industry just makes my heart warm. So, <laughs> what did you think, Josue? Yeah, it was it was so fucking tragic. I love this story so much. It's just, I was, it's like a the part A and part B where it's like, and then the part B where it's just like, oh, cool. Please stop. Please end it here. I know it's gonna. I know it's gonna end horribly. It's gonna be another twist and turn. Please let it stop. Everything is fine now. Everything is okay now. Have to be twenty pages of him winning titles and making money and then retiring. Like if we know that's not gonna happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like when like the the first twist happens after like the the first big oops, that phone call that comes in, like ah, uh, like it's that's the part where it just like it just kills you, but you just have to keep going. Um, no, it's a great, it's a great fucking book. I I love this one shot a lot. And yeah, the yeah. The, re- the reveal at the end, the, the unmasking at the end was just so sweet. It was so sweet. <laughs> it's gruesome. It was fucked. <laughs> like uh. It gave me chills, but yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. I'm glad they're going back to these one-shots. I want more. Yeah. Just in time for the spooky season, too. Oh, totally. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Abstract Studios, which means we're talking about Terry Moore, Parker Girls number two. Nice. Uh, so everything's done by Terry Moore. Uh, don't really need to talk too much about the creative team. Um, so for those who don't know, this is actually a continuation of Strangers in Paradise, uh, which is funny because it's like, if you know how Strangers in Paradise start to get to this point, it's like, how? If you if you never read all the way through it. And I'd completely forgotten how Strangers in Paradise kind of ends up being. And been like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because originally, it's a love triangle. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. This is about a super spy organization. And yes, they are tied in in the end, which is great. <laughs> um, my review of the first issue, I was like, maybe this is unrelated. And then I remembered how that ended. Because it's been years since I read Strangers in Paradise. So... Um, it's really good. Uh, in the last issue, the dude that got fucked out of all of his money that he stole from his company, he basically wakes up naked and let's just say he's appropriately punished for stealing money from his business. And you find out that his business actually hired the park girls to get the money back. Uh, so it's just really interesting and really cool. And I love Terry Moore. I love their work. It's just been so much fun reading this and now i really want to go read strangers in paradise because i have the entire digital collection i want to go back right. and read it. but they also announced a box set omnis of the two omnis oh nice and they're paperback so they're soft covers so they won't be too expensive it's mm-hmm. a com- combination of 2136 pages fuck yeah and i was like i really badly want that so <laughs> i might be buying that sometime soon but yeah really really enjoying it um the return back to terry moore Always love it. So, next up, I'm going to talk about a publisher 
that I didn't know existed until t- uh, until s- Wednesday. And I want to thank Aaron from uh, from uh, Greg's Comics for suggesting this for me. This book is called Egged, and it's by CEX Comics Experience Publishing, uh, written by Nick Palmieri, and art by George Combadeus, uh, colors by Pippa Bolin. And letters by Zach Sam. Now, when I saw it, when you pointed it out to me, I thought he was. Yeah, I think he was kind of joking. Like, did you want to get this? Because he knows I'll record, I'll review anything. Um, and I was kind of like, haha. And then I looked at it. and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I really like George Combadeus. I forgot about that. And I was like, do I want to get this? And then I sat down and looked at it, and I was like, you know what? Just to support him. Yes, you might know him as uh, the one who did. Um, uh, he's doing some of the gargoyle work. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh my gosh, my mind just went blank. He did a major book that I absolutely love. Now I have to Google it. I'm gonna go crazy. Anyways, it's it's really really good. While I look it up, I will uh, tell you. Uh, but this book is. It's a one shot and it's it's pretty funny actually. I really enjoyed it. It's about um <laughs> it's a commentary on stuff is what I'll say. So we have we have a young couple and um they have like an argument but it's like a fun argument. It's not like meant to be too serious. And they're just talking stuff out and they have an egg and one of them just kind of throws the egg and it ends up hitting a guy's car. And the guy freaks the fuck out. And basically, you find out that he is a conspiracy theorist. George Comedeus, by the way, did Buckhead. That's what it was. from. Oh, okay. I remember that. I really liked that. I was, I was like, there's a book I really liked. Anyways, so yeah. Um, so they throw this egg and it hits his car. Yeah, he's a conspiracy theorist that believes there's a group out there called the Eggers. And these Egger bitches. And he's on this fucking conspiracy site where all these other bros are cheering each other on being like conspiracy let's dox them and you got their license plate and you got he's like here's their license plate number and they look up where they live and everything like that well uh (laughs) basically what he doesn't know is that the girl in the couple is a hacker (laughs) Mm -hmm. and basically breaks into his place gets rid of all the video and evidence he has of it. And she basically tells him, yeah, we're here. We're out here egging shit. And she's just basically feeding into his, his <laughs> conspiracy theory. She's like, I'll come back for you if you ever, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, like, it's just really great. Um, and it's got a little tease at the end of like, you know, the future. Maybe, maybe there'll be a little bit the end question mark kind of thing, you know, but it was fun. It was just a fun little like independent one shot. And I just love the idea of this, conspiracy theories of like people egging everything like it's just very much like obviously comparison to everything else people think are ruining society yeah and and going on stupid sites like the recently departed kiwi farms rotten hell you know and stuff like that so fun stuff uh next up let's talk about the dark horse hosue you did not pick up this book but if i had to bet I think you're going to pick it up in the end because <laughs> this script is by Tim Seeley. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, this is the roadie, by the way. Number one right. script is by Tim Seeley. Art is by Fran Galan. Letters by El Torres and cover by Fran Galan as well. Okay. Here's the premise of this. This dude is the ultimate roadie. Mm-hmm. And in the seventies and eighties, he was the roadie. Everybody wanted. And you don't really know why. And so 
The concept is all these metal bands tapped into actual demonic energy when they played. And he had the natural ability to repel the demons and send them back to hell. Nice. So that's why he's there to send the demons back to hell as they play. Nice. Yes. And it features a bunch of demons. So they make up, they make a point like, see, like you could see this one, like that demon coming out while they're playing. And yeah, basically it's his thing. Well, this is years and years and years later. And he's watching like lesbian porn and this happens. Uh Uh-huh. Shit. And this succubus comes out of the screen to talk to him. (laughs) Yeah. And basically they talk about all the times he's like defeated demons and sent them back and stuff. And she's like, you need to go check on her, check on your daughter. So he has a daughter, presumably I think with, with that succubus I'm thinking. Yeah. So, um, and it cuts to Los Angeles and it's like, this is our grade six through 12 music teacher, Miss Petrosky. And this is her. Uh And she's just like, you know, I came here and I thought I'd teach the children to appreciate Tchaikovsky and Brahms. She's like, but eventually I realized I was turning them all into something they weren't. Basically, like, I decided to make, meet my students where they lived. With the support of the depart- department, I was able to venture out into new genres and find my true self in music in ways I never had in previous academic studies. She's like, you know me as Miss Petrosky, but my students know me as L.A. Hex. And this is her. So it's like LA witch, like like a real band. And she's described as pagan rap. Oh, what? That's awesome. Yes. Hey boy, like what you see, you're going to worship the first. You got to appease me. When the devil's bitch wants to enslave you, ain't God going to come down and save you. I'm a witch. I'm the goat. Carry the keys to my kingdom and my canvas tote. LA hex. And like, see, that's presumably his daughter. And the funny thing is he makes a crack about like, as long as it's not rap when they're talking to the metal dudes. Oh. So now he's got to deal with the fact his daughter is a rapper who <laughs> is basically summoned demons with her demonic rap. That's so cool. it's just so many cool things at one. I'm like, this is very much a houseway book. <laughs> like I was yeah, like, I, I, I yeah. did skip through it. I, I probably will have to jump on it. Plus it's Tim Seeley. So you know, it's also going to be a little bit funny. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's great. Yeah. All right. That brings us to opening the vault. And as always, Hostway is going to tell us about Shadow Service. Even though I did purchase it, I'm still not caught up. So I need you to tell me what you thought about Shadow Service 15. A very quick one, because this is the conclusion to Volume 3. Uh, so this one's written by Kevon Scott, art by um, Corin Howell, uh, Trina Farrell on the colors, and Anne World on lettering. So the conclusion to Volume 3 came with a lot of twists and turns um, that honestly I didn't see coming. I thought we were pretty well established here three volumes in, but that's great storytelling by like being blindsided by like what ended up happening. Um, Gina accepts that agent Huey, the, the Hugh, um, the lady who can turn, turn herself into a Fox. There is a betrayal at the the end of the last issue, but it was all a ruse to kind of like, get Gina in a, in, a, in a safe spot and they kind of explained to her, but even though she had just vowed to be like, oh, I'm never never going to trust anyone again, especially her. But it's like, they're telling her that, that she's cool anyway. Um, but anyway, they're they're, they're finally going to go rescue Hex, the leader of MI666 from, was it Miss Downing and this like flea demon? 
Um, Hex shows his power by like what he can still do. He's basically like not crucified, but he's kind of hung up on this like floating pentagram. It's like this like light source. It's just a pentagram, and he's just like floating up there. But he shows his display of power where he can still command like one of the ghosts that he kind of one of the characters, um, and he can kind of send him back and forth as, as a messenger, and then he uses him as as a way to be able to come off of the uh, of that curse. And then we get to the end, and there's, like I said, there's another betrayal that happens, and I won't reveal who it is or what happens because it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> I really hope this isn't the end of other characters, but uh, but yeah, so that's the end of this issue or this arc, uh, um, like I said, and it's weird. So I'm not sure if the next if the next volume will be called this or if the book itself is going to change into maybe we're leading to this like giant conclusion. But uh, Shadow Service will return in State of the Union. So I'm not sure if that's the title or a subtitle. For the for the next book, I bet it might just be the name of the arc. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm sorry. Like the subtitle for, for the yeah. for volume four. Yeah, nice, awesome. All right, next up, we're going to talk about end after end from Vault. Yes. Uh, so, eh, end after end number two, uh, written by uh, Andrew. Wait, Andrew and I just have Andrew and Daniel. It's Tim Andrew, right? Yes. I don't, ha- I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> like, um, did it, where are you? There you go. Yeah, Tim Andrew. No, David Andrew, Tim Daniel. That's oh, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Sonando C is the artist, uh, Kurt Michael Russell as the colorist, and letter by Jim Campbell. Um, so we get a little bit more information about this afterlife at world thing. The Well, literally the end after the end. And we get introduced to a new character. And it's just so interesting. I really like where this is going. There's so many elements of like a traditional adventuring story. But obviously completely different because it's this weird afterlife with people from different eras and stuff. And there's this mysterious leader chick that they all look up to. And there's just so much going on. And I love the flashes to the reality, like to their past to determine to like help define who they are now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting. And I love that we're focused on this one character. I thought we were going to flash over to make each character, the POV character for each issue. Right. But I think we're going to stick with him as he meets people, which I really dig. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really dope. I really enjoyed the book. Um, I'm very curious to see where it's going to go. What did you think? Um, was this will be like the first time I get to talk about this book um, again <laughs> afterwards? Oh yeah, you didn't, you didn't talk about the first one, yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's really good. It is a great idea, like this like afterlife or this life after life, and what you can make out of it. Like it, it's not really said if you get a second chance out of it. It's just like this next part of it all. But I, I like that part where it's like it also depends on how you come in. It's like if you lived a long, fruitful life in this one you're going to kind of have a bad time at that afterlife of being an old person and not being able to survive that one instantly. It's almost like a reverse, a, a reversal. Um, yeah. but yeah, like the, like the fact that they have, they have to survive. I like the, the, that fairy gnome character or the, the flawed mentor. I like that he finally gave a shit to learn his name because it's been so long that, that, that he stuck around for so long that he gave a shit to, to learn his name. It's like, yep. Yeah, like I don't, he, he doesn't really care for ma- many people because they don't survive. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting take on like on this world so far. Like I'm 
without even knowing like where we're going or what the whole point on the Katha is or what her, what her mission is. Um, I'm just so intrigued by where we are right now. Yeah. It's been really interesting. And uh, yeah, I, I want to see, I wish I knew how long it, it goes. Yes. Like this is one of the few ones I wish I knew how long it's but in t- intended to go. But at the same time, I'm also, I, I would like to be, ex- ex- you know, surprised. So yeah, good stuff. Next up, Heart Eyes number two. I love this book so much. Uh, written by Dennis Hopeless. Art by Victor Abanez. Uh, colored by Addison Duke and lettered by Simon Boland. This one, it it, um, it subverted my expectations pretty well. I, I really liked because in the first one, you you have this girl, she shows up. And the whole thing is, is the family going to let her in? And that seems to be the conflict, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, but this boy loves her. And then, but no, that's not the conflict. I'm not going to tell you why, but that's not going to be the conflict. Their love is not going to be the conflict. <laughs> There's so, but we find out so much more about her past and it's so creepy and it's <laughs> so fascinating and it's just so good. And it's, the art is so disgusting in the best way. But at the same time, I fall in love with her every time I look at her. Oh, I know. Like, she's, so hot. She's, she's so hot. <laughs> like, and I'm like, not in a traditionally hot way. If you guys see it, you know, it's just like, I'm just like, yeah, 100%. Let's go. Um, but it's just really interesting. And the whole book club scenes great. And just like, she's relatively naive and, it's just really well told. I really like this story. Um, I think it's got real potential for vault in, in the year. If we get another issue or two, mm-hmm. I think this could be my vault book of the year. If it nice, really, if it really performs the next issue or two, really like it. What did you think? Um, I fucking love this book so much. <laughs> and it's like, I fell in love with her when she described the bell jar as a horror story. And then she goes in depth with it and it makes sense. And I want to reread the bill jar as a horror story now (laughs) (laughs) with that in my mind. And just to, just to read it in such a different aspect uh, where it could work. Um, But fuck. Yeah. And she's like, or, and then, and then like a little bit later in the reveal, there's a whole book club is what I'm trying to get at uh, for the listeners. Um, And in the end, like the reveal of like how the dad is like possessed over. Oh, such a great, great shot. I I I love this book so much. Um, and yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm excited. I'm curious. I'm like, what she's gonna do with all this? Like, she has so much power here. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, and just yeah, her naivete. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just like yeah, it just makes it so much interesting. Ah, oh, I love it. <laughs> so awesome. And our final vault book is an exclusive. No, it's not exclusive. We're not the only ones. I know some people misuse exclusive, and I hate that. Uh, non-exclusive spoiler-free preview of upcoming vaults double feature um this is going to be a 64 page issue that has two stories in it um and these are going to be i believe ongoing because um they they don't really end (laughs) like so (laughs) i'm really hoping these aren't one shots because it kind of wouldn't make a lot of sense but there's two stories involved. I'm going to speak as spoiler-free as I can, but I should just tell you they are they are spooky stories. Um, ah, man. The first one is so good, but it's really hard to talk spoiler-free. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure out how to do it. 
Uh, so, so, okay, let's talk about the titles first. The first issue, or the first story, I should say, is called The Cemeterians. And okay. this one is written by Daniel Krauss, with art by Manhaus, colors by Kurt Michael Russell, and letter by Jim Campbell. The second story is Denizen, which is written by David Andre and Tim Daniel, with art by Chris Sheehan, colors by Jason Wordy, and letter by Ann World. That's awesome. The first one is so creepy, and it's got this it's got this horror mystery with a lot of really fucked up, gruesome imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're not into if you're not into like some gruesome shit, this won't be a book for you. Is what I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I know Josue loves that shit, so it's <laughs> great for him. Um. Again, spoiler free. I usually consider basically anything past the first three pages I don't talk about. Um, it's just got a really big surprise. And it, it, there's a mystery here. And I think the mystery is the part that some people will miss just looking at it. They'll think it's, oh, it's going to be a horror story. No, it's got like almost an X Files feel to it with a mixed match team of people who don't, who have different foundations. Of where they're approaching things from, so it makes makes it really interesting. Um, highly recommend it. Really enjoy it. Can't wait to see what else we're gonna get. Uh, the second one is <laughs> this one's even harder to talk about without spoiling. It's really good. <laughs> like it's a Christian book. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> His art is incredible. Just pick it up based on that. But uh, I will say it is a different. It's a completely different tone than the first one. But it's also very creepy at times and very grim and very messed up. And there's, there is a particular double page spread that gave me the creeps is what I will say. Just gave me shivers. I was like, oh, God. Like, so I love this. I think it's a cool idea. It does look like it is going to be like an ongoing thing where they're going to feature these as a double feature, which is really cool because that's how they used to do horror movies. You know, they do two ba- one back to back, you know. So that's a really cool idea. It's a double feature like a film. So highly recommend this. This will be coming out in October. Pick it up. It's nice and big. Like I said, 64 pages from what I have. So uh, Josue did not get a chance to read it, unfortunately, but I hope he will because I think, I think it's going to be something you will love. Oh, Absolutely. sure. So, all right. With that in mind, we are going to step away and out of the vault and we're going to talk about image comics. Um, we have a, several books from Image this week, so we're going to alternate a little bit, and I will start with I Hate This Place slash Fuck This Place, number five. <laughs> um, created and written by Kyle Starks, created and written by, or created and drawn, excuse me, by Artem Topinlan, colored by Lee Luffridge, and lettered by Pat Brissot. This is the end of the first arc, and it's about this lesbian couple coming to grips with the fact of where they live and how it's cursed, and this guy trying to get the money and everything comes to a head here. Now you might've heard me say the first arc. Yes. It does look like this book is going to continue. Nice. Um, we're going to be back early next year for five more issues where they're going to deal into the history of the ranch and everything like that. Um, it's, it's really good. It wrapped up really well and it did end up where they did the thing where they said the name of the book. <laughs> so they said, okay. I hate this place. So love that. I always think of Cosmonaut Marcus. who said the name of the movie. <laughs> like, I always <laughs> think of that. So yeah, uh, really, really enjoy this. Um, 
it was a, it was a fun little diversion of a book. Like, and we're getting another volume, so I'm very curious to see what that's going to look like, um, and the history of the ranch and everything. And it's just ah, loved it. So good stuff. Next up, Josue, talk to me about Stillwater 15. Ooh, God, okay. I think this is where where it, it's definitely where it happens. But okay, Chip Zarsky as the writer and co-creator, co-created with uh, Ramon K. Perez with uh, as the artist, and then Mike Spicer with the colors and Russ Rutwin with the lettering. So Daniel, um, his mom, and oh, I gotta figure out a name like the other sheriff. Um, as they've come back with a new plan, they're kind of like born again, spreading the good word, trying to change the people's mind, trying to change the people of Stillwater's minds um, to kind of overthrow the current government that is Galen, the little kid. <laughs> um, but and at first I thought I was kind of like, where, was, where the fuck are we going with this? Um, and it is kind of an act like they, they kind of just only want to like switch it up. They're kind of just like spreading, like spreading around. That's like, Oh, violence, violence wasn't the answer. Um, if we're more like, if we take the more pacifist approach, we can probably like get ourselves out of this. Um, though it is more of a, of a longer play, uh, for this to work. Um, Galen and his plans is that again, he wants to like extend it to cold water, the, the next town over and, and have them like be part of it as well. And he is already starting this. Um, and here's where the struggle is happening. When Stillwater happened, that was like back in like the early 90s, I believe. It was, like, it was a while back ago. Um, to where it was pretty easy to then hide the town from like the rest of the world. Right. Coldwater is a whole different thing being in present times. Like <laughs> so some of Galen's workers, some of like his tech experts are like running like around the clock trying to like blur out or delete certain things from like the internet from social medias to make cold water to keep cold water invisible from the rest of the world it's pretty much too late for that now it's like i don't think it's gonna it's gonna work out um and here's where the story take uh starts to like to really ramp up galen vis- galen visits uh that uh that diner and to ask for like that burger from like with that old lady and he's not eating it he's, he's just very very pensive and he gets on his walkie-talkie and He's like, what the fuck is it? Like, Kriegs, I think I have a solution for our little problem. And that's when Kriegs goes and basically kidnaps Clara. And he was like, well, my mind starts racing because it's like, wait, what the fuck is this meaning? Um, she kind of fights him back, but she gets she gets shot down. Um, Daniel then later gets word, or the the his Galen's dad shows up, be like, hey, follow me. Like Galen wants to talk to you now. And they basically buried Clara, which is like a big no-no based on like her trauma. Um, they were they're able to rescue her, um, do through violence, which is what Daniel didn't want. Um, they're able to get to her, and she's kind of okay coming to. And the person that they kind of jumped to save her, like they, they stabbed him in the neck, and he didn't come back up. He should have been he should have been uh, healing by by then. It was like a quick stab in the neck, like whatever, right? In still water, whatever. Right. Um, he's not coming back up. He's staying dead. He's bleeding out. And Clara drops that it's her fault that she might be the reason everyone lives forever. And now I have to reread the whole fucking thing to realize w- who exactly she is and why exactly she pertains or why she's exactly she's so important. Cause I think I have an idea. And then again, again, I, I like reading like the little letters page with like uh, the editors or like the, the authors. And then it says, and then, yeah, the the lettering page says, to quote Skybound's editorial director, Alex Antone, uh, while reading this issue, 
to uh, quote unquote huge if true uh so it's like, <laughs> I, just, I, I think I know where this is going, but I have to reread it from the beginning just, just to be sure. Because this could really uh, shake things up. Totally. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to have to catch up on Stillwater eventually. <laughs> All right, I'm going to talk about Old Dog number one. Oh, yes, please. Yes. Uh, I, I had to pick it up. I knew one of us had to read it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, so... Uh, by Declan Shalvey. The only thing he didn't do is lettering by Clayton Cowles. Nice. Um, and it's it's about a spy, like an old spy, and it's it's hard to really jump into it because it is a first issue and it's not like a double size or anything like that. Yeah. But it is about an old spy that kind of got shelved by his organization for some reason that they kind of vaguely hint at at certain points. And in the end, something's going on with him uh, as far as like he comes back seemingly from the dead and he ends up getting teamed up with a hot young sniper who ends up being, and I'll spoil the end of this issue, his Mm -hmm. daughter. So, so it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, We did get a flashback at the end where they, it was eight years before, and they said Operation Old Dog is activated. Oh. So I don't know if they experimented on him, gave him, like, Deathstroke-style powers. I'm not sure. Hmm. But it was pretty cool. I really enjoyed it. It's got really good, like, spy action to it. And it's pretty violent, which is cool. Next up, Hostway, Department of Truth 21. <sighs> Fuck. <laughs> okay. Uh, written by James Tynan IV, art by Martin Simmons, and lettering by Edita Betacar. So I find out that Hawk um, defected to the Black Hats, to the min- the Ministry of Lies and the Black Hats. And that sucks because Hawk was literally the one, not holding it down, but he was also um, the one that would really handle all of the all the secrets that were kind of out there. He's been in the game for too fucking long. Um, so the, the, the conspiracy location or subject in this issue is uh, Fort Knox and all the secret gold that is that was buried down there, that was kept down there. And what the Department of Truth did with this fort that is real <laughs> and that there was gold down there that, that basically, like, a long time ago, they sent Hawk in to um, comb the whole thing. And, yeah, he did find all the gold. And then they figured out that it's like, as much as this was kept here, what if we keep stuff here instead uh, or as well uh, as just, like, an, another, another, uh, another vault? So we get a flashback from everyone being younger, Hawk, Lee, and God, I was going to say Grigorovich because that's, that's Metal Gear. But uh, um, the, this, um, a, a Russian, uh, they, they kind of, they got one of the, they got a Russian from the Ministry of Lies over and they kind of worked out a deal. I think he was going to work over here for a while, this Russian guy. And they show him the Mothman that they, that they captured, that they kind of, came up with that they came up with and then they caught and now they brought it back here to then study and what we kind of find out is that again like there's a whole the the, the way the rules are played here is like it's a, it's a source of belief that spreads these conspiracies um and so the department has some hand in influencing the world so they're not going to get rid of everything that they find because like why would they let's just keep studying every horrific thing instead of just letting it go um 
so there's monsters or like the creatures that they deal with, but what if they also just keep different um, documents that they don't want to change just yet in case they need it for later, uh, since stuff will change out in the real world as they keep influencing it. Like they, they, they tell this, uh, this Russian dude where it's just like a bunch of their documents are going to be changing and his memories might be changing based on how they're working the world. But what if some of these documents don't, aren't affected by certain changes because they're kept in a place that isn't real. Um, so again, like it's, it's a whole, it's a, it's a whole vault for them. Um, and as they're going back down there, um, or Cole and his partner in present time, they go down there to kind of retrieve some stuff or find out what's, what's, what's left from down there. It's all empty. It, it's, it's all been cleaned out and they find this tape and it is that Russian guy, uh, basically leaving a last message to Lee being like, yo, ever since, since you brought me here, ever since you ruined me, I've worked out my life to work out my way to, to for sure to ruin you. I told the Ministry of Lies everything. They have everything to bring you down. And what they're going to do fucking terrifies me. And my only regret is that I won't see you go down. This guy just fucking hated uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, <laughs> so that sucks. Because we do know that, because we do know that Hawk, again, defected and then went to go visit Cole's husband and then planted seeds that maybe Cole works in a not very honest place. And God damn it, this is all going to go to shit. And I, this is a book that fucking gets under my skin. And I love Department of Truth. Um, so yeah, so again, another great, another fantastic issue. Nice. That brings me to another number one, flawed number one. Mm. This one comes to us from Chuck Brown, art by Prinzi and letter by Becca Carey. Um, I like the concept of this so far. Basically, um, there's a girl, there's a woman who's like getting um, therapy because of what happened to her daughter. Her daughter was murdered by this serial killer called the Skinwalker. And her therapist is trying to help her through it. And it's like a normal therapist like session. And she's like, thank you so much. And then she's like, you know, I'll see you next time. And then the th- after she leaves, the therapist goes to a room filled with guns. Oh. And it turns out the therapist is going to go out there and avenge the girl. Like she's helping her therapy, you know, like patients by actually avenging them <laughs> like and shit mm-hmm. like that. And I really like it. She ends up fighting him. There's um, there's like a a supernatural edge to this. Whereas this guy can't die as long story short. Uh, but she, she finds a way to make him suffer. I'll show you that. So you can see it. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, there's, there's some detectives trying to figure out what's going on and yeah, it's, it's just really interesting. I really like, I like the character designs a lot. I think they're really cool. Each character is pretty unique. Um, and yeah, I think it's a fun story. I also really like the cover. I don't know if you saw it, but like it's the city, but it's like turned oh, into it's a like mall. Yeah. Yeah. And like some Uzis at it. I think it's really cool. Um, so I'm curious to see where that's going to go. Uh, for number one, especially, it was worth a shot. So next up, a book we share, I believe, because I haven't asked after school number three. Yes. Uh, this series is so good, by the way. It's been so good. Written by. Jill, here we go. Blote Vogel? I hope so. Layout by Marley Zarcone and Lisa Sturl with art by Lisa Sturl. We love you, Lisa. Yes. Colored by Fabiana Mascalo and letter by Pat Brousseau. 
uh, congratulations, Lisa. No, yeah, <laughs> all the love at you. Uh, this so after school is of course a series of stories, dramatic horror thriller type things about teenagers essentially, and this one was really heartfelt and emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more so than the first one. I really like the first one with the dog and everything. I liked that one a lot. I think I would put this on on par, or maybe even a little more like emotional than the previous one, the the pregnancy one. All oh, right. Um, so, um, but it I think it addresses having a you know a sibling who is on the spectrum and needs a little bit more attention and needs a little bit more work and a little bit more patience from you. Yeah. I think it addresses that within like a horror thriller, and mm-hmm. it's done really well. And the character designs are excellent. Um. I really, really liked it. Uh, I liked the story a lot because it reminded me of the original Purge movie. Just a bit of it. Because if you remember at the beginning of the original Purge, the the daughter had that boyfriend, the older boyfriend. Right. And he hid in the house saying he was going to talk to her dad about them. But really, he was there to kill him. And that's kind of like this dude. This dude's solution in this, spoiler alert, is like, oh, yeah, I'll solve your problems your problems would be a lot easier if your family's dead. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's just like this short-sighted idiot. And it was really good. It was also brutal and gruesome at times, like just absolutely horrifically violent, but it's really well told and really interesting story. And I think it, I think it has a very logical flow. It flows very well from beginning to end. I think it's just a well-told story overall. And again, I love the art. I love the way the little sibling's drawn. She looks adorable. Um, but yeah, what did you think, man? I, I, I really liked it. Um, we don't get a lot of stories have like how people who are autistic on the spectrum, how they deal with certain like, like day-to-day lifestyle situations. And in this case that she does need a little more attention, um, than they're giving her than anybody is giving her. Um, mm-hmm. but I love that. It's still, it's like, it's the story is obviously going to be, going to be about her. At, at first you don't realize, you don't know how it's going to all play out. Cause like, She's obviously in the back, like putting thumbtacks on the floor. So it's kind of like, is she going to be the bad guy? But no, it's just like, she does have like behavior problems. And it's just like, but then it's like, when, when the killer comes, it's like how she uses those to challenge the killer back. And it's like, all of a sudden in a home alone style uh, meets like the collector. Cause it's just like, when the killing starts, I did not anticipate how gruesome it was going to be. And then and yeah. what happened to you, you just feel so bad. It's like, well, well that sucks for the rest of their lives. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> it's really abrupt. The first kill. You're like, Oh, oh. Yes. <laughs> like, you're like, like everything has changed now. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's cool. How, how, how this kid like uses that or, or, or flips her, her behavior or her, beha- her behavior around to just, again, to challenge this killer and then like, and to take care of it. Um, but yeah, it's because we don't, we don't get stories like this. It's just like what, like I said, up to home alone, but not for, mm-hmm. not for a particular person who has to handle like their life like this. So yeah, no, I definitely like, this is probably my favorite one so far. I resisted, I resisted the urge to make the home alone comparison. I, really, <laughs> okay. I was like, I was like, don't, don't say it. <laughs> like, but yeah, no, I get it. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. And it's, it, it is a very much a classic thriller, slasher thriller. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and I really like that too. So good stuff. All right, next up, Josue, talk to me about a book I didn't know came out this week and therefore did not see on the wall, and I'm so annoyed. Sins of the Black Flamingo, number four. 
I think it might just like blend it in with like just because it's all white. Yes. But uh No, they were out. I, I assure you they didn't. Oh, okay. So so chapter four, Thorn in my side, written by Andrew Wheeler, art by Travis Moore, colors by uh, Tamar Bonvillon, and uh, lettering by Edith Vidicar. Uh so this is um the exchange issue. <laughs> um this third party has um our gorgeous Steve Harlow. And they want they want to trade him for the angel, um, and they get down and we get some backstory that this old cult basically summoned this angel. They even show a, repen- a representation of a real angel with like all the eyes um, to, to capture him, and, and then they they kind of humanize him, and as we know him as his gorgeous self, and basically find out that they they, they want angels because their blood makes them immortal. Um, the they meet up with uh, uh, the rest of our, our cast and they're going to do the exchange. And of course, it's one of those, like it, it all goes to shit. The a third party shows up to just like really shake things up. And it just, it does not go well. I'm not, I'll, I'll I'm going to omit all the spoilers uh, because the next one is to be concluded and you, you will have to find this one and the last one. Um, so mark your calendars because I actually do have a date for you. So issue five on sale, October 26. Nice. All right, and our final image book. <laughs> Fuck. Eight Billion Genies, number five. Written by Charles Soule, art, colors, design, cover A by Ryan Brown. Uh, letters by Chris Crank and Ryan Brown. This one starts with a flashback. Yes. And I really love the genie population one. One. Because it's the bartender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so which I thought was great. Um, it was I really enjoyed this. It it basically so the guy we met that's running the the big safe area. Essentially, we just get a flashback of who he is, and it's not a very comforting flashback, is what no. I'll say. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of worried about this dude. Um, and yeah, it's really cool. Um, we get we get a lot of information um, about about what's going to be happening. Oh god. Okay. So this is terrifying to me. Yes. So basically we have a full page spread of this guy with a whole bunch of genies. After and he used his. And they all look like him. So my thought, this is my this is just a theory. What if cuz it sounds like he's using other people's wishes. He's getting them to wish things. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. What if he wished that everyone who died without making their wish, he got their genie? Oof. What if someone wished that for him? Oh, for him. Yeah, because he made his wish for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So would that break the rules maybe? I don't know because the genies are kind of like, there's things they just don't like. You know what I mean? And we actually deal with that in this issue where they're just like dealing with a wish that they had to word perfectly and they had yes. like speaking for hours to do so. Um, also the little baby genie is amazing. Oh, that was probably the cutest moment in comics all year where he's just like pop. Hey, <laughs> like, um, so yeah, obviously we know that she's able to give birth. That look at this fucking cute thing. Like, I know. God, God big eyes. <laughs> it's like, hello, I'm a genie. Um, but yeah, we discover that the Earth basically has been scoured clean except for these safe zones. Um, and this dude that we meet has used his wish to reset the Earth. 
back to the way it was prior to uh, basically everything happening, but also bringing back all of nature and getting rid of all the human settlement stuff, like basically resetting the environment. And as he does, it becomes safe to go outside again. So everybody starts leaving the bar and we start, we see all the emotional goodbyes. The band leaves together. I like the bit where they're just like, we're probably the best band on earth right now. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, that's true. By default, yeah, definitely. But in the end, everybody leaves except the bartender. Uh, I also really liked the part where they were asking the genies what happened to all the different musicians. Oh, I know. It was a, it was a fun game, but it slowly just started becoming sad. Because it was like everybody, like so many people died, died during the scouring. And the, the genies like, scoured, scoured, scoured. I love that. <laughs> Um, like Jeff Tane Watts, he's still out there in a place called Fun City. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought this was fun. And the title of the next one, the 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 eight years, the first eight years, is terrifying to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, it was just going to keep evolving. <laughs> what did you think, sir? Um, I really like this issue where, like, this one, this issue felt like a finale to me. Where like kind of like everything, everything has kind of come up to here, and obviously we we get the reset. Everybody kind of goes off on their own to where we where we come back to this book uh, eight years later. It could just be a whole like not a whole not necessarily a whole different story. We we could probably see some of these familiar faces, but like so many rules have been bended and broken and made up that we can literally just start wherever anywhere after here. Like it's like. This, like again, this, this this I joke around. This was probably one of the scariest books I've been reading all year, just because yeah. because it is. Um, so yeah, it's just like I just feel like this this issue just felt like such a finale for like this chapter for this first part of the chapter to understand how these genies work. And now time is just only gonna be getting longer in between uh, periods here, where again we can just start telling whatever they want to, whatever Charles wants to tell after here. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting and. I, again, it's scary because it's just humanity. You know, it's just like, yeah, we believe we're capable of this because we are, unfortunately. So, yeah. All right. That's the end of Image. Let's talk about DC. Um, jump in with Deathstroke Inc. number 13. This is chapter four of year one. Um, basically, I'm not going to jump too deeply into the actual plot of it because um, it's like, Again, chapter four of the plot. So we don't really talk about too much the center of the, the arcs. Written by Ed Brisson, art by Dexter Soy, colored by Veronica Gandini, letter by Steve Wands. Um, basically, it's this flashback where he was defeated by Green Arrow while trying to assassinate somebody. Green Arrow doesn't know that he heals. So he heals up from dead, basically on a mortuary slab. <laughs> Comes out, um, takes up his mission again, finds out over the phone that his wife is pregnant, presumably with Rose. And then goes out to fight and kill the guy again. So uh, we're setting up kind of like we're getting to the end of this. I believe, if I read correctly, Deathstroke Inc. is ending. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious to see how long it'll go. And I bet it wraps up with year one. I bet that's going to be the last arc. So curious to see what we're going to do there. Next up. Josue, talk to me about the nice house on the Lake 10. The return. The return. This one came definitely came back. I was not expecting it. Um, so, um, the nice house on the lake. Another book by, written by James Tynan the Fourth, 
Um, our end cover is by Alvaro Martinez Bueno, Jordi Biller on the colors, and Ant World with the lettering. Oh, man, I feel like I had two books regarding this. <laughs> um, so the writer, where is she? Yeah, the writer, Nora. She, she was put on timeout by Walter, and but now Walter is kind of like, okay, I'll, I'll let you in on the secret. Um, basically, kind of starts explaining all the alien tech um on that other room and yeah like walter basically has control i don't say control over everybody but a certain a a certain extent of control um how everybody has like these like weird symbols like uh, for each person um and that's basically like the, the controls for for them where he can like make them immortal like make them stop aging and she starts asking like wait so how much can we poke around here um and he's like, yeah, you, you can basically make them like super fat or like make their hair super long. Um, and it's kind of like she basically picked Nora basically picks up on like, it's like, Walter, how far can it go? And it's like pretty fucking far. And then she freaks out and it's like, you're trying to fucking bribe me. Like you're trying to buy, buy me in so I can keep helping you with this. Um, and it's like, but it's like, why do you even need all this? And it's like, I don't like, it wasn't my idea. So like, this shit's getting bigger than like just Walter and like him, just an alien. Um, unbeknownst to them, um, who, where is she? Um, Rain was hearing the uh, Ryan was hearing the whole time. She snuck in. She snuck in there as well, and she overhears that basically she was the anomaly. Um, when when Walter found found out that um, shit, the other artist couldn't make it she was basically like the the, the instant substitute but it's kind of what's been like kind of like messing up this whole thing inadvertently um so that's what's going on on that side um on the outside everybody's uh play testing their immortality because like they, they figured that shit on the, on the last issue and they basically just like keep shooting each other um up until well, like Nora and Walter like leave that control center, and Ryan kind of steps in to kind of like start poking at it, and she basically starts giving everybody their memories back. And but it's just like in such a whiplash way um, that yeah, one starts getting a headache, um, and Nora uh, Nora remembers something that basically Walter like made her forget to help him out already. She's basically already close enough to figure it out, and he was already still lying to her, um, and thus makes fucking Walter snap um, at her. It just starts becoming like that distorted face, and the book ends with one last shoot at this particular person that probably isn't going to get back up. <laughs> gotcha. <sighs> just two issues left, and we'll see. I get we still don't know. And again, like the, the it opens up with this. Um, the, the prologues open up with like this flash forward on like shit that's already happened. Like they, they probably left the house and it's like each issue is someone else and how they've been dealing with it. And this time it was, it's not wordless with the, it's just like, it's, it's a, it's a whole play. It's a whole video recording on like this old party. And thus we find out why it was so, so important because the, the phone, uh, the phone dies and it's like this particular person was, was all his fault. He doesn't say anything. He just puts the phone back in his pocket and just walks away. So it's like, oh, fuck. It's just, it feels, it's just such a heartfelt book, but it's like in the worst ways. <laughs> nice. All right. Next up is 
Sandman Universe Nightmare Country number six, the start yes. of a new arc. I thought we'd take a pretty extensive break, mm-hmm. but we didn't. And so, uh, written by James Tynan the fourth, letters by Simon Bolin, and this book manages to bring, bring together two of my favorite ladies, Maria Lovett drawing it, yes. and Thessaly the Witch. <laughs> I love Thessaly. I haven't really been able to speak about my adoration for Thessaly. So, um, having her with Maria Lovett drawing her is a fantastic. Also the fact that this is the only time she drew the Corinthian in the entire book is the biggest crime because Maria Lovett doing the Corinthian is such a great idea. Yeah. But yeah, we get this really cool, like further story about following up with the events of the first arc and Thessaly and this, um, I guess, producer guy trying to like, um, find out more about what happened. And it does indicate that I believe Thessaly is going to be more involved in the story, which is great. I love that character. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed this. Maria Lovett art is such a welcome thing to the Sandman universe. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. What did you think? Um, I, I really, I love that it's continuing. I, and, and Maria on the art is just so welcoming. And I was like, mm-hmm. I know she can like, I, I feel like she's such a perfect choice for this to just like, have it be grounded but i know she can keep it creepy or she, she can push it in this creepy aesthetic um and i'm just really excited because like this character like Cecily is just like such a cool character and yeah it's just like I, I'm, I'm just excited for this chapter it's like where is she gonna go like she knows she's in fucking danger or like she's like, got a huge target on her back now but how is she gonna handle it <laughs> like i'm excited to see yeah definitely i yeah, good stuff. It's the start of a new arc, so we'll see where it's going to actually go. But I obviously think it's going to be great. You know, this, this page was just so. so fucking tragic. Oh, yeah, totally. The confirmation page is like, oh, uh, why? <laughs> yeah. All right, next up, uh, the finale of Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes. Mm. Uh, so it's issue six of six, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Scott Godlutsky, colors by Ryan Cody, and letter by Dave Sharp. We find out at the end that uh, of the last issue that Vandal Savage is the bad guy, essentially. That's causing this time loop. And then this book does this baffling thing where they kind of solve it all off screen. Hmm. Where he's like defeated as the book begins. I <laughs> They have like 35 superheroes and they just stop him off screen, which was really weird. Um, but there is a little bit of a fight afterwards. like, But they basically trick him. Um and then they have a party, and that was cool. <laughs> so um, there's also a Jonah Hex appearance, and uh, we deal with the Guardians, uh, the Guardians, you know, of Oa and stuff, and the formation of a new Go- uh, Golden Lantern Corps, with Gold Lantern being the leader, basically. So pretty cool. I-, I-, I liked it. It was just strange that it all happened off screen. I thought that was very strange. Huh. So yeah. Next up. Batman Beyond the White Knight, number five, Josue. Batman Beyond the White Knight, book number five. Sean Murphy with the script, art, and covers. Uh, Dave Stewart with the colors, and Andworld with the lettering. Um, So Batman wants to take matters... uh, Bruce wants to take matters into his own hands, even though (laughs) as Barbara basically, like, just hacks into his system and being like, Bruce, you need help. And it's like, no, I can do this on my own. (laughs) That's why I push you all away. But it is, but it's Barbara, and she's a badass. It's like you, we're sending you help, like regardless, like we're, we're, you're gonna get it. 
um he infiltrates like uh powers um stuff to just again like just like infiltrate more like he is a bad guy um and in doing so obviously he's gonna run into our current batman batman beyond terry mcginnis and Batman basically just like finally confesses to him being like, like you've been played by powers. Like he's the one that killed your dad and your vendetta is being, is being, uh, is all twisted. And he's kind of been feeling this again in the last issue where that kind of got revealed. It was like such an, it was kind of an awkward way where it's just like, how did Terry not like put that together? Um, but in this case, he like, he doesn't just like, it just makes sense how he was able to just like, not just like jump over to Bruce's side, but just like believe him in that way. Um, so yeah, so because of, and because of how powerful, like the Batman Beyond suit is, there's a little oopsie that happens and powers gets melted. Like basically some green stuff comes on him. This capsule like breaks uh, in front of him or on him. And he's like, becomes like the skeletal figure. Um, but anyway, um, here's the thing where I get like these, like these back-to-back references on some books. And now with like the two bat books that we'll be talking about. Um, because of his old age or older age, um, Bruce is kind of some kind of succumbing to panic attacks. And in this case, because she's kind of getting too heavy um, and he's been hallucinating or been seeing Jack Napier as in like just to be so he's just as a target to just to himself as he is, as he still is. Jack takes over Bruce's body and Bruce is like the one in a nice suit being like the inner like the inner monologue. Um, so you have like this shot of like Joker like in that bat suit being like, oh shit, well this is happening now. <laughs> um, and he still kind of had, I mean, obviously he saw like, like Bruce's reflexes only as Jack slash Joker. When he punches people, he's like saying kapow and chop and shit. <laughs> Just like announcing, announcing any of his hits. So Bruce is telling him kind of what to do or at least like how to be Batman um, in a sense of what he would do. And they hit the fucking garage and, this is why I do like Sean Murphy because Sean Murphy is is just like a um just such a gearhead that he loves drawing the Batmobiles and in this garage you get them all you get them all from the from the movies you get uh, from from the TV or yeah just from the screens you get the the cartoon one the the super I fucking love the cartoon one you get the tumbler you get the turbine one from uh, the Keaton ones. And you even have like the muscle car from the Batman, and off on the side you have a. Uh, uh, th- I'm pretty sure on top it because it looks like the tumbler. I'm pretty sure it's like the Batflick, the the Batflick one. But then you also have Adam West's uh, Batmobile off on the side. <laughs> yes. Um, and then who who's the one that calls it? Because because Bruce Bruce uh, calls out the which car, and Joker's like, "Not this one." I say we take the tumbler because <laughs> I'm sure he just wants to like wreck shit around. But I'm pretty. But because it is Sean Murphy's favorite bat car, it's the fucking turbine one because it is it is a sweet car. It is is, is a sweet model. Um, though I would have gone with the the cartoon one because I just I just love that long fucking car. Um, Bruce kind of fucks with the uh, Joker for a second because he tells him to drive through the window from the skyscraper and just plummets to the ground. And Joker's like, "Oh, it's gonna fly, right? It's gonna fly, right?" And it's just it's just not. He's not answering. <laughs> But there's like a bat wing that kind of swoops in and saves them. And just Bruce just didn't just didn't say shit. Um, so to close off the issue, um, and to kind of calm calm himself down, or like as an, and also like one last favor, um, Bruce slash Jack go to the one place where they can, where they can hide, 
at Harley's. And because Jack is in control, um, he basically is able to say one, like his last words that he'll be able to say to Harley, like one last, like, I love you and all the reasons why. <laughs> and here's, it gets a little twisted. Cause like we're reading, I'm reading this, you're reading this. And it's like, yeah. And Bruce is going through his own psychosis, right? Like his mind is being split right now with, with him seeing slash talking to Jack. But right now we're firmly believing that Jack is in control and he is having this heart to heart with Harley. Again, all the reasons why he loves um, Harley Quinn. Um, and it's pretty deep. It's pretty lengthy. You know, I won't, re- I won't reread it. But at the end, Harley is like in tears and replies, I love you too, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I loved you for a long time and I didn't see it either. And, and this is quoting something that, uh, and she kind of flips it around with something that Jack says to her about her being the light. Like, I may, I may have blinded you with the light, but you saved me from the dark. Still talking to Bruce and not Jack. <laughs> and then they kiss and then Bruce, and then Bruce comes back. It's not Jack anymore. Um, gotcha. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Cause it was like, he was really, I mean, it was a good line from Jack um, for Harley. And it was like, Nope. I mean, I, mean, I guess it was still Bruce anyway, but still, I just thought yeah, it was funny. Definitely. The context. <laughs> nice. All right. Next up. A uh, number one, and officially, the four hundredth series we've reviewed this year. Oh, nice! We've reviewed four hundred different comic book series. That's awesome. Tim Drake Robin, number one. <laughs> now, many of you know my opinion on Tim Drake, in that he is the worst Robin, but I am going to keep myself as neutral as I possibly can as I review this book because I didn't used to like Harley Quinn and now I do. So (laughs) I'm good at keeping myself neutral. So Tim Drake, Robin written by Megan Fitzmartin drawn by Riley Rossmo, colored by Lee Luffridge and letter by Tom Napolitano. Um, Basically after getting severely injured, Tim decides to go off on his own to make his own, you know, legacy. Uh, He stays in Gotham, but he buys a boat, parks in the harbor and he's essentially the batman of the harbor which is weird to me um i never associated him with water (laughs) of any kind like i don't know this is weird but we do get to see uh bernard his boyfriend uh he pops up and it does confirm that they're they're in a relationship whether he knows or not um and darcy thomas shows up one of the we are robin initiates uh and, and she's she's great so um I, I like the art personally um, because I like Riley Rossmo's art. I know that's the big critique. I know somebody at the comic book store was talking about it. I'm like, I don't, I don't care that much about that. Um, and I like the book for the most part. I also like that we're doing the Poe reference with the murders of the Rue Morgue. I always mm-hmm. like that. That's cool. Um, I think I'm having a problem, not with this book. And I want to make sure I say that my review of this book is if you like Tim Drake Definitely give it a shot. You'll probably really enjoy it. But I think my greater problem now is with the Batman universe as a whole. I'm just so jaded with these books. Mm-hmm. There's too many of them. <laughs> like I'm like, and like, I I don't think the Bat universe can support this many books that are this similar. Is the problem, and yeah. it's it's reaching a critical mass. Um, so I, I think I think something's going to give and I really hope it's not a perfectly innocent book that's not doing anything wrong 
like this one, like Batgirls, like Harley, mm-hmm. you know, where it's something's going to suffer in sales eventually. And that drives me crazy. Um, Liz and I sat down and counted how many detective stories in Gotham I'm reading. And it was a lot, <laughs> like yeah. a lot, a lot. And it's kind of exhausting. So I wish nothing but the best for this. Uh, I, again, I like Megan. Uh, they're doing uh, Young Justice right now, I believe, for the the Dark Crisis. And Riley, I always liked Riley's art on, on Harley Quinn. I don't know if it translates as well to Tim because it's less of a goofy world. Yeah, but but the art is toned down in this book. This, Harley's looks a lot wilder. This is definitely toned down quite a bit. So okay, I think it works, but I think I'm just exhausted by DC by DC Bat books in general. Yeah, um, because a lot of them are. I'm in Gotham. There's a mysterious crime. I have to figure it out and solve it and beat a guy up. And I'm like, I'm so tired of that. <laughs> like, you like I don't districts. Know. Yeah, like I like Robin. Because like Damien Robin, because he wasn't in in Gotham, he was on right. an island. Mm-hmm. He was in a tournament of death. It was different. It was cool. He literally came back to Gotham for one issue, the fucking rooftop race. <laughs> yeah, and Nightwing's great because Nightwing's like the best comic that's being made. So like, mm-hmm. um, you know, but yeah, I just and also I I shouldn't be reading them all. That's the problem. But especially Batman Urban Legends because that's four stories a, a month. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I think that's what it is. I think I'm just burned out. But, um. My thing is, if you like Riley's art, especially, I think you'll really enjoy uh, the Tim book. Um, Tim is my least favorite Robin. I do think they've done quite a bit to make me like Robin or Tim a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's still my least favorite Robin. So that's fortunate for the kid, but it is. So, but yeah, uh, check it out if it sounds like it's going to interest you, basically. Next up, Hostway, talk to me about Superman Space Age 2. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, Superman Space Age, number two, book two, uh, written by Mark Russell, art by Michael Spike Allred, <laughs> colors by Laura Allred, and lettered by Dave Stewart. I'll be, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to like skip, skim through this, because again, these are like the hefty $10, um, not even black label books, but it's, it's one of those like thicky books. It's the retelling of the DC universe in the Space Age, um, and this one taking place in the early 70s. <laughs> Um, so Superman saving the world, um, one mugging at a time, basically has an interview with Lois. Um, but before that he saves the, the world from this giant asteroid that kind of makes him like push a little bit. Like this, this thing was massive as fuck. Um, he had to like break, like break through it so he can then push it out of our, out of our orbit. Um, but yeah, then he has like a, a one-on-one with, uh, with Lois. He was going to confess cause he was holding like flowers, like, behind his back under his cape and the way she talked, not that she's talking down to him, but the way she questions him and grills him, he's basically, basically I was like, ah, oh, maybe now's not the time. Um, he has a heart to heart with, uh, Jor, Jor-El down there. And jor says like, oh, there's, there's bigger threats out there as we're teased brainiac. Hell yeah. Yeah. We'll get to him. Um, we get caught up on, on Bruce's side of the world. And it's again, like his early, his early uh, uh, time of career as, as Batman. So it's when he does the mistake of stepping down as CEO from Wayne Enterprises to focus on Batman. And thus the new CEO is Maxwell Lord. <laughs> you can, you can tell how well that's going to go. He has his whole plans on like, basically like changing up Gotham as a whole and like throwing in this, like this giant fucking freeway down the middle and making it all like suburban land or suburbia land. And so that's obviously not going to be Gotham city anymore. 
Um, Batman's not chill with it, but there's nothing he can do. He wants to be Batman for a while. Back at the Hall of Justice, because we did establish that at the end of the last issue, the, they can't really get along yet. They, they kind of have like a like a, a moral disagreement on like what they should do going forward with bad guys. Wonder Woman's like, I think we should just not kill people <laughs> like to start. And then Green Arrow kind of laughs, and it's like, what's so funny? It's like, well, we kill people every day based on like who we choose to save and not to save. It's like, well, it's a point right there. He's got a, he's got a point. So they all start arguing and shit. And Batman's kind of like, "You losers are lame. Call me when you guys figure it out. I'm out of here." <laughs> um, and then once everybody leaves, S- Superman and Flash are still around, and Superman's kind of still mon- monologuing to himself. And he turns around and it's like, "Wait, Flash, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you disarming a bomb here?" And it's like, "Well, I'm not gonna do it in my fucking apartment." And this seems like the safest place as any. This seems like the safest place as any. And plus, all I do is just like, like I'm the world's fastest man. And um, no offense to you, but how many times, like, like it's like I, I can't just like take bombs from one place to another, like every single fucking time. I'm, I'm still gonna like cause destruction somewhere. I think it'd be easier if I knew how to disarm bombs, don't you think? Um, and he was, <laughs> Superman has like a weird attitude about it. Um, but again, like points of flash. Um, so again, like the shit keeps pop- popping up in the seventies. Superman meets, meets Nixon. Um, there's another meeting with, uh, with Lewis and this is, and then we finally enter Brainiac Brainiac finally, show, or we get a shot of Brainiac, um, kind of fucking around somewhere else on earth. A three, two, six, five, four slash dash Z. So obviously not here. And we see a different Superman, a different Clark, and he's got the the Final Frontier S, the one with the black background, which I really mm-hmm. fucking love that 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 design. Um, so it's kind of weird. So it's like we're hopping around different different universe or different Earths here, and so and Brainiac just kind of leaves him there. Like I, I thought he was gonna fuck with him, but he doesn't. Um, back at hours, um, Hal, there's another uh, Hall of Justice meeting. And how it basically brings up, like, hey, there's these rumors about this green guy around, and his name is Brainiac. And everybody pretty much is like, yeah, sure, whatever. It's not here now, so it's like, why worry about it? Um, basically, I'm just going to skip to that he does come. <laughs> um, but, but, okay, before that, um, Br- uh, Bruce deals with the whole Maxwell Lord thing, because um, he, he finds out, like, all the best, all the best stuff that Lord is doing. Um, Brainiac finally shows up to the Justice League, and he basically, basically says, like, yo, I'm here to just basically, like, to salvage whatever I can from this universe so that when the new one, so that when the next one pops up, I'll, I'll know what to do because the anti-monitor is coming. And he basically starts explaining to them what the anti-monitor can do and what he's going to leave behind, which is just nothing. Um, and so just he's like, oh, don't worry, we'll take care of it. You're kind of being an asshole. So they start to start fighting Brainiac. And it's an all out, it's an all out battle. Uh, Brainiac shoots him with uh, shoots uh, Superman with uh, red sunbeams, which he's never been hit with before. So it's all confusing to everyone. <laughs> um, and then at one point, Hal gets impaled by Brainiac's ship, and it's pretty fucking bad. They find they, they they do take care of him, and so Brainiac doesn't die. He basically just like warps himself just out of here, and Hal is just Hal does die. Um, at least like there's like there's like one casualty back in through some wormhole brainiac uh has a conversation with other brainiacs like like he's working with others to kind of save themselves from this incursions um 
So, and, and so to, to end it all up, like, it's just like now the next step for going forward, um, Bruce comes back as CEO as Wayne Enterprises. They bury Hal. Um, they, uh, they're still talking to each other. Superman and Batman talk to each other. And be like, oh, Bruce is going to, Bruce is building a new Hall of Justice. He's like, oh, I know. I'll see you guys Monday. And then we get the, we get the little line, line where, um, Superman just like does a little a little gag on like basically there'll be a, there'll, there will be a next crisis, um, alluding to hopefully not the finale. Um, also, what we get here is like because it's, it's moving in real time. Um, Lewis and Superman have a kid. I don't know if it's Jonathan though. So there's there's a baby uh, uh, in play here, and we'll see who he, who he grows up to be because that's that's the that's where the book two ends, and the cover to book three is just. Um, Superman around everyone just being dead. Mm-hmm. Though we do get a reveal. It's like, oh, Black Canary will be showing up as part of the Justice League. And then we do have a, a Green Lantern hand. So we'll see who the next one will be. Hmm. Interesting. I'm hoping it's John. Uh, I'm hoping it's John. I don't think... Does Guy wear the gloves? I don't think Guy wears the gloves. I can't remember if Kyle does either. Yeah, right? Yeah, we'll see. So, so yeah, so we'll we'll still get another Green Lantern because obviously, like the the position has to be filled. But I'm I'm surprised about Black Canary, and so yeah, I, and then the ominous um, anti monitor in the back. So I'm hoping it's not the end because it's like oh, and, and at some point, um, there's like a second uh, Lewis and Clark um, interview, and outside of a outside of the bar, y'all right here, you see Pariah leaving. Like the, the, he doesn't make a play in this one, but he's de- it's definitely Pariah from the last issue. Um, so I'm really hoping the next one isn't the finale because then it'll just be one giant clusterfuck of a crisis, um, as he kind of like foreshadowed here. But it's like I want I, w- I want this to play out more. I really 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 like these books. Nice. <laughs> All right. Um, next up, Harley Quinn number twenty two, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Matteo Loli and David Baldion, colors by Rain Burrito and lettered by Anne World Design. I got a cover, you know, all those Batman homage covers, like the ones yeah. with, with her as Robin and stuff like that. <laughs> I found it. Yes, you got it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love it. So it's the Dark Knight Returns, right? Yeah. 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 Cover. So um, in this issue, uh, it's like the start of a new arc and Harley buys a ferry to live on like a boat. Mm-hmm. and she makes room for Kevin. They have like a fight because he thinks she's wasting her money, but then he finds out he has a room. Long story short, Harley gets stabbed and dies. So Kevin journeys all the way to the League of Assassins to ask them to bring her back using the Lazarus Pit. And they're like, oh, she'll come back different, and she ends up coming back, and she looks like this. So, oh. Yeah, so she wants to find out who killed her, and We'll see how like twisted she is. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obviously the start of something new, so I'm not going to jump too deeply into it. So, But I did like David Baldion doing art in this. I think that was a really great idea. Nice. Because he needs to do more stuff. Like There's there's uh, a shot he drew of, um, of Angel Breaker right here. That's definitively David Baldion. Yeah. Art. So, yeah. Nice. Love it. <laughs> All right. Next up, Detective Comics. 1064, uh, written by Ram V, art by Rafael Albuquerque, color by Dave Stewart, letter by Ariana Mayer. 
Um, this one deals a lot with with a legend and also like comparing it to Talia and Damon, Damien. Um, and it also, <laughs> Bruce goes to a doctor and the doctor's like, there's something seriously wrong with you. And Bruce is like, fuck that and leaves basically. And I'm like, yep. bro, <laughs> like toxic masculinity. Like you don't know shit. <laughs> like, I had to tweet like, about that part. <laughs> like I was like, really dude? Like, so, um, but it is setting up, you know, there's something going on uh, around it. There's, there's an attack that's going to be happening um, with the League of Assassins. And um, it's kind of curious that we're kind of back into a conflict with the League of Assassins right after the whole thing with Deathstroke, the Shadow yeah. War. Like, it just happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, okay. Um, but, I mean, I love Talia. I love every time she's in the book. Bruce can say it all he wants. He's in love with her. He doesn't need he, he can't we won't admit it, but he, that's his true love. I don't care. Catwoman can suck it. Um, so uh but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I like Damien. I like that this is leading to something with Damien, I think. Yeah. Um and with Robin versus or Batman versus Robin going on right now, I'm kind of curious. I if it'll be strange if these two things run side by side. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like and don't actually interact with each other. It would be very strange, but um, as always, the art's really good. The covers, this cover is just absolutely insane. Oh, yeah, these gothic covers are so good. Yeah, really, really good. Did you read it? it yeah, yeah, like yeah. you I read have. it. Yeah, okay. Because you hadn't been reading Detective Comics, so what do you think? Oh, yeah, no, no, I've, been, I've definitely been following this one. Um, since Rom jumped on? Yeah, you know, since only, yeah, because of uh, Rom V jumping on. I just I was just so curious how, where he was going to take this uh, this approach. Um, but yeah, this, this issue was really cool. I, I Yeah, I'm curious on like, the, the the amount of focus on Talia and Damien on Damon Damien and waiting to see how he's gonna come into into play in this book, which again I just I just want I just want to see how Rombie like tackles everybody like that. Um but yeah the fucking part where it's just like the, the doctor part where it's just like it's not just like another bat family or even like Alfred being like, hey maybe you should just like chill out or take a step back. This is a medical professional professional telling you like hey you should probably see someone as a professional in the medical field i'm telling you to do this nah <laughs> yeah no i'm good like men some will shit, literally jump off rooftops <laughs> rather than go to therapy yeah it's fucked up so and finally final dc book of the week oh it's a coming the triumphant return of the human target oh yes number seven Ooh, with fire that's right yeah so he finally meets with fire to discuss it written by Tom King art by Greg Smallwood lettering by Clayton Cowles. He meets with fire. Remember he's been like hooking up with ice. Mm-hmm. He meets with fire. They go dancing together. She kind of like keeps throwing herself at him. And she's like, I want to, you know, I want to ride a Ferris wheel. And he's like, I can make that. So he pretends to be Luther. And basically tells this person with a Ferris wheel, open your fucking Ferris wheel, I'm Lex Luthor. It's like, okay, sir. So they get there and it's, you know, the two of them ride it. They ride to the top. They're having this conversation. They're talking about the, the potential that she's the one who actually has murdered him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's a great moment where he's like, what do I want? He jumps off. He's like, I want you to catch me. (sighs) And she jumps out, flies down. Let me get the shot the shot and catches him from nice. the Ferris wheel. Basically him proving that like, if she wanted him dead, she would, you know, and that she is a superhero in the end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's like, um, 
she basically is like he keeps accusing her he's like i think you're a murderer he's like uh talking about how much she loves ice and she'd kill for ice and she slaps him he goes you had the you had the weapon you had the motive she slaps him again and he's like you did it she slaps him again so you wanted to kill luther he he took ice from you you had to kill him she goes to slap him again he catches the hand and then she does this (gasps) and it says bet you want to kiss me now and then it's him waking up in bed Ooh, and he's like i woke up in the afternoon and she's next to me before i can say anything i lose my breath i'm getting used to dying you know it's sickness and stuff you shouldn't be here and it's ice he didn't cheat on her oh i know and then afterward they make love in the shower afterwards fire comes by and is basically listen i did everything i could i tried to get this guy to cheat on you and he wouldn't he's a good guy basically (laughs) it was all a test basically and she reveals that she did have that weapon to kill him, but she didn't end up using it. She gave it to somebody else. And he's like, could you give it to her? She's like, you're going to kill him. And it's just like, no, no, really, you're going to kill him. I can't tell you. And he's just like, uh, he's like, you need to tell me. And she's like, he was very upset. He said it was for you because he thought I had been killed by Lex. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I know you know him. He's crazy, but he can be sweet too. And he was trying to be sweet without. No one ever beats Luther. He said he had a way. He said it was for you. So Guy asked me to get the water, and I did. Now you remember, they just killed Guy, <laughs> uh-huh. and Fire doesn't know that. Oh, <laughs> so the guy that killed him, they've possibly they've already killed, mm-hmm. and now they can't confirm it. That's a dead end. And so we have five issues left of this. I cannot wait to see where this goes. <laughs> like, I love this book. It's DC book of the year. It's not even a challenge for me. It's first list. Just fill in the ballot right now. So Wonderful. So glad it's back. And next up is Marvel. And we got a couple books. We'll get through this as quick as we can. Josue, Marvel Voices. Comunidades. Thank you. I'm too white for that one. I got um, this one. Oh, nice. I got this one because I like when they debut a new character. Yeah, I thought about it for that reason. I just really like Reptile's design. Like, yeah, that's how pretty dope. To grow instead of just like keeping it to like his body size. I love that yeah. tail. So obviously there's multiple stories here. Uh, we won't go through each and every single one, but I, I really liked them. Um, the ones that really jumped out at me, uh, obviously Shark Girl, <laughs> for <laughs> obvious reasons. I really enjoyed Shark Girl. Um I like the the Miles one, the music to my ears with yeah. the salsa. I thought that was fun. Um, let's see what else. Um, I like them all, to be honest with you. I really thought they were all fun. Yeah, they were all fun. Um, the America one I thought was really good too. Yeah, because we're slowly developing America, like as actual as an actual character, and things happening to her and her power going on the fritz. You know, like it's very interesting that they're taking the time to develop her. Do they have a plan? You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then, Oh, and the white tiger one, I really like, cause that's the one that introduced this character. Yeah. Chimera. Um, so, yeah. So I like this. I thought it was a lot of fun. I really like the Marvel voices. I think it's a really cool idea. If I were in charge of Marvel, I'd make it a monthly book and just rotate the, the, you know, subject every month. Mm-hmm. So, but what do you think? Um, I mean, I, it's also just like timely because like um, 
Hispanic Heritage, Heritage, Heritage Month. Yeah, well, they always based around the month. You yeah, know, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but I definitely had the Chimera character. I'm so curious when and where she'll pop up on, on whose books until she finally hopefully gets her own. Um, but yeah, so, so that one's definitely like the highlight. It's kind of like what the, the strongest point of the book. Um, but then the American one, too. I, I, I just liked how even she how even she recalls her publication history being like i used to be able to, i used to be able to to punch my way through the multiverse and now she can't she's not necessarily stuck but it's just like she's definitely not how she used to be before and it's like yeah she's definitely being kind of re- reworked on it so we kind of get it straight um yeah. but yeah i see a, a good a good voices I, I like the voices too yeah yeah awesome next up i'm going to talk about genusville captain marvel number three i got this variant cover nice it's trippy as hell i love it uh, written by Peter David, art by Juan and Ramirez, colored by Federico Blee, and lettered by Corey Petit. Um, by the way, this is Maria Wolf doing this cover with Mike Spicer. Um, so this is kind of following up with the whole Rick Jones and Genus Vell need to meet back up. And um, it is a third issue, so I, I'm not going to go too much into the details of what's what happens specifically. But it is building up this idea that they have to come back together and work together and it's it's revolving around the again the personification of death um it's jadzia the the scroll marlo there's a lot of characters involved here uh so again not going to jump too deeply into it but it's really interesting to see genus vel back in the marvel 616 universe um because of the timing i guess as i would say with captain marvel recently ending the show and with the marvels movie coming up mm-hmm. to reintroduce an old captain marvel is a really interesting choice and i wonder if it means something so we'll see but um yeah good stuff next up i'm going to talk about damage control number two and i kind of teased this earlier oh. um so written by adam f goldberg and hans Rod- rodinoff Art by Will Robson, color by Ruth Redman, and letter by Clayton Cowles. And this is Carlos Pacheco's last art. Oh. This cover. Nice. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. What a random book to be the last one. Mm-hmm. Damage Control 2. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Um, obviously, this is kind of like the fun one. It, it really harkens back to the old, like, cartoons about Marvel Comics, the company that they used to do sometimes. Um, but yeah, this young man trying to find a place in damage control, they place him in consumer affairs where he has to listen to claims about people who claim that their property was damaged by a superhero and they get money back and he has to pre-screen these people. And there's all these people with these crazy random stories, like a lady who thinks her cat is a flirkin. Um, there's uh, a dude that's basically like Loki tricked him into gambling all his money away. Um, all these people, right? And uh, in the end, he's passing them all through because he believes them all. And they're like, no, the pre-screening is to get rid of the fakes. Like, it's like, you got to be harder on these people. So he, the next person, the guy's like, you know, my family's been shrunk by Hank Pym. And he's like, uh-huh. And then he crushes the box they're supposed to be in. Turns out they were in there, uh, but they survived. And he's the only one who wasn't lying. They have to get him, like, get them blown back up. Mm-hmm. They do. And he's just like, well, you're not going to work in this department either. Let's try something else. What about something with some fresh air? And it's like, I know just the job for you. And so now he gets assigned to search and rescue. So he's going to actually be out in the field. So I think this has been a lot of fun. It's been a fun book. Um, sometimes Marvel needs to put out something goofy like this, and I dig it. So next up, 
you weren't here for Defenders Beyond number two. This book has been tripping me the fuck out, <laughs> by the way. Um, they confronted the Beyonders, mm-hmm. all of them, and basically had a fight with them. And in the process, um, the uh, Galactus's mother, uh, she ends up taking on the Phoenix Force. Ooh. Taya is her name. And so this is the cover. Nice. And I just want her to be the Phoenix because she looks so cool. <laughs> like, I adore it. Um, so she ends up being the Phoenix, and they all kind of get separated up a little bit. And they all kind of go through different, like, almost trials, I guess you could say. And, um, yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. Um, I just love her as the Phoenix. I think the design is just so sick. And we get this really cool moment where they need a counterpart to the Phoenix. Ooh. And um, Tigra is like, she has this whole moment where she's like, you keep calling me human. I'm not human. She's like, I'm Tigra, the Tigra. Because if you know anything about Tigra lore, there's a lot of mysticism behind her. Okay. She's like a legendary warrior of a whole tribe of people. Ooh, okay. And so she's like, the sacred warrior of the cat people. I dance through flames. I eat birds and I see just fine in the dark. I belong in the dark. There's something here that welcomes me outside where the wild things roam and the night sings. The phoenix is fire, but there's a force beyond the fire here in the darkness. Beyond the flames, or first flames reach is what the fire was lit to keep away. The first most primal fear outside the cave, outside the place of warmth and safety, there's a tiger. And it's Aww. the anti Phoenix force, essentially, is this darkness force. This of tigers. giant dark tiger. And oh, so she has this awesome. giant fight with the Phoenix, with this <gasps> tiger she can control. Oh, so cool. I know. It's just such a cool idea, dude. And they have a fight. She ends up winning, of course, and they get sent somewhere else because that's how this works. You just get thrown places. Mm-hmm. Um, Taya loses the Phoenix Force, but they get found thrown to a new place. I really like this. It does remind me so much of the 70s Doctor Strange just tripping balls mm-hmm. like comics that are just so good. So definitely worth a pickup. And I'm glad the Defenders are here, and I'm glad it's completely different than everything else Marvel's doing. So Next up. Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number five. I can't remember. Did you pick this up? Fuck yeah, I did. I'm, I'm following both yeah. of these. Writer, Tochi Onobuchi. Art by R.B. Silva and Julian Shaw. Colors by Jesus Bertov and letter by Joe Caramagna. A lot of consequences in this issue. Oh, <laughs> if it isn't the consequences of my actions. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I think that he did the right thing. You know, I think Sam did the right thing in the end because he needed to he needed to save her, but if he wasn't there, this would have ended much worse. Right. Also, I love this page. Giving him his own, I can do this all day thing. Yeah. I love that. Um, <laughs> attacking uh, Black Panther with just a bunch of birds. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> as hell. Um, but yeah, basically, he, he, has to, he has to go into Wakanda to do this. He's told not to. He does it anyways. And because of these actions basically Americans can no longer migrate to Wakanda and he has to kind of sit on that. And now there's going to be a bunch of people that are going to be angry with him about it. And I think that's a really cool story. I also like that. We kind of tied up the Joaquin story at the same time. Yeah. Cause that's been really good too. And I'm really digging Joaquin getting an actual spotlight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really, really cool digging it. Um, and the art's really good. Just everything like Joaquin's costume is so dope. Like I just really love cool. it. 
Like, yeah. So the, the helmet this is what it makes it. So, but yeah, what did you think, dude? It was just heavy, man. It was just, yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah, like you do want to see it from like his side, like from like the good guy side, but it's like, yeah, like you're also imposing like your own, your own beliefs on this whole other nation where yeah, obviously like it would have gone to shit had it all gone down. Like it kind of sucks that Wakanda as a nation wasn't doing more to stop crossbones. It's like, so it's like, so yeah, but the consequences were like, well, was a little too much. And then even like, um, but he is like, but like the way they call him out does make sense. too. this whole, like just fucking politics just fucking sucks. Where it's like, you, but you do represent America as captain America. So it's kind of like, we don't want your people here anymore. <laughs> it right. just sucks. Like a lot of people, those who did want this second chance, this second chance of life in a place where that would probably would have been more accepting to them than, they, than they were on their homeland. And just now they don't get to get that. Like everybody just gets to be deported and just fucking sucks. I just feel so bad for them to be able to get a chance to go to Wakanda and start this whole other life. Even then they were probably going to be like what second citizens by not having like the lip tattoo by not being true Wakandans, whatever. And just, I gotta just feel, I feel more bad for those people than just like, than Sam licking his wounds. like over all this, but it's like, fuck, it's just so heavy over everything. It's like the politics are just so real. Yeah. Awesome. Next up, Ant Man number three, Peach Momoko cover. Ooh, that was the nice. Beyond cover. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Love it. Um, written by Al Ewing, art by Tom Riley, color by Jordi Belair, and letter by Corey Petit. Um, so it's time for Scott Lang, basically. But this book is a bonus because it deals with another Ant Man, a fourth Ant Man that I forgot about and I loved. Ooh, and that's Black Ant, who was. <laughs> the robot version of Eric O'Grady. They yes. made a robot version. And the point was he's, he's Eric O'Grady, but worse basically. And it's like, Oh, well that, how's that possible? <laughs> basically like, cause Eric was the worst. Um, but yeah, basically they come together. They're dealing with this whole thing with um, Ultron and yeah, they, they have this whole mission. It's really cool. We also get some Cassie, which I love Cassie. Oh, nice. Thatcher's the best. And we just keep, building towards this future ant-man and eventually he's pulled forward into the future just like everybody else to the inevitable all father ultron confrontation yeah that's crazy yeah so we'll see i think the next one is going to be the fourth one the 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 one from the future the new one okay we'll see what's gonna happen there pretty cool next up thunderbolts number two this book it's great. Written by Jim Zub, art by Sean Izaxi, uh, colored by Hava Tartaglia, and lettered by Joe Sabino. So off of their mostly successful first mission, the Thunderbolts go on another mission. And America doesn't show up, so they don't have her, and they can't teleport in. And uh, Monica's paperwork's not completed yet. Hmm. <laughs> so they go in, and there's this dude in a museum. He's like a little troll size. He's mm-hmm. a little tiny dude. And they go to fight him and he whips their ass. <laughs> like he's great. He's just punching them left and right. Um, just to give you a size comparison of what he looks like. Here's when America actually shows up at the end. Like he's tiny. He's oh like, yeah. He's Dinklagenian. <laughs> like, like Dinklage. Um, so basically like his name is Egro and he's Egro the unbreakable. And he's from Monster Isle, and he's like, yeah, I came to New York to basically, like, see the monument you made of me, and I was shocked to find there wasn't one, basically. Um, 
but like all the kids like Egro, they think he's really cool. So the Thunderbolts are like, oh, he's our new member. And Hawkeye's like, you got to fucking be kidding me, basically. So they just add this dude to the group. And so the, the team is finalized and we get our team picture. So look at this. It's so great, right? Because they're like counting down. So you got like happy face, happy face, happy face, happy face, happy face, and that. And that. <laughs> which is the okay. best. Like, like he has no idea what he's doing. I love it. Um, yeah, and so the next confrontation looks like it's going to be with the Soviet super apes, and I love the Soviet super apes. <laughs> They're my favorite, like Fantastic Four analog. They're ridiculous. I love them. So we'll see. I'm really, I'm really enjoying this book, and I hope it becomes either an ongoing or gets the second volume that is because I love the Thunderbolts. So next up, Shang Chi three, Shang Chi, Shang Chi in the Ten Rings three. Written by Jin Luen Yang, art by Marcus Toe, colored by Eric Arcinega, and letter by Travis Lanham. After losing the Ten Rings to his former friends, Shang-Chi, or Shang-Chi goes to retrieve them. And it's really, really cool. There's a lot of really interesting, very kind of gross parts with this parasite thing. And we learn that the rings can combine to be one and what that means, what that does. And it does harken back to the Shang-Chi movie. Yeah. Like the portal, like in in like in Talo, it kind of harkens back to that. You know, it's like a portal with unknowable, awful things on the other side. And I thought it was really cool. Um, personally, I was most excited to see Tink because Tink is an amazing character that used to be in Captain Britain in my thirteen. Oh, okay, she was like the 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 contact with fairy world for Mm -hmm. 13 and she was great. So I loved her, but yeah, I thought this was really cool. I like that. He didn't struggle too much to get things back. We didn't drag this out to six issues, just getting the rings back. He just got them back basically. And I thought that was really dope. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, it sets a really nice teaser for what's going to happen in the future. I think so. Oh, the tournament. Yeah. The tournament arc time. I love it. So, uh, what did you think? Um, it was fun. I, I do like the elements where like they're combining some of the movie, some of the movie elements to, uh, to the comics now, but it's like in a way where it's like, I really hope I get to see some of this stuff in the movies now. Like there's like a punch where like he super punches like this, this dude or not Superman punch, like the actual move, but like he punches dude, and, like the rings come out to like force the punch out more. And that we did see in the movie. The move after that, though, is incorporating the portal part. He he throws the uh, punches to the portal. Yeah, he he throws like the nine rings like around the person, and he punches through one of them, and then all nine rings like summon a punch there, and he just gets fucking punched like nine times at once. That was really cool, and I really hope that 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 comes into play, um, especially if like they really are going to open portals um, uh, with it into the MCU. And it's, it's like, are they going to be kind of similar to like the the Doctor Strange portal? So like, they open in a ring. So, so we'll we'll see. And I'm really, I'm really excited for this fucking tournament. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really cool. Um, and yeah, tournament arc is always good. It definitely harkens back to the Iron Fist run with the mm-hmm. Battle of the Five Heavenly Cities, which I really liked. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I, I'm curious to see where we're going to go with this. So. Uh, next up, oh, and I should mention, by the way, I'm, I just now remembered, I'm very hyped for Tiger Division. Oh, nice. I think that's going to be cool. I really like Luna Snow, and I really like White Fox, and that alone sells this book on me. So, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, White Fox is awesome. All right. So, yeah, next up, 
Thor 27 making a return. So weird to get a book about Thor that doesn't have the Hulk in it after so long. Uh, but don't worry, crossovers haven't ended. Uh, plot by Al Ewing and Donnie, Donnie Cates. Script by Al Ewing. Guest artist Salvador La Roca. Uh, guest color artist Edgar Delgado. And letter by Joe Sabino. Um, so Thor's like, yeah, I recovered from being a Hulk. I smashed the rainbow bridge, though. That sucks. Can we fix it? And Loki's like, fuck the rainbow bridge. Also, we get we all we get an appearance by uh, by uh, Donald Blake, by the way. Very brief appearance, which is just <laughs> reminds you how grim this shit is. Um, but Loki's like, uh, I'll just make something different than the rainbow bridge. Fuck that. It's easier. Also, I love that he straight up confirmed it. You need a Bifrost. I'm a Bifrost giant. Yes. <laughs> which is just excellent. I love that shit. Um, he's like, cool, I'll make a new thing. And like, all right, cool, that's cool, let's do that. And then they get attacked, and it's, it's, uh, I think he tried to go through limbo. Yeah, that's what he tried to go yeah. through limbo. And they get attacked by a symbiote and a demon. And we get Venom basically being like, oh, yeah, I took control of the symbiote. Don't worry about that. <laughs> like, I can do that now. And then you, if you haven't been reading Venom, you get the deepest immediate dive into Venom lore you can possibly imagine, which like, is great. A three, a, a four issue flash forward. Yeah, he's just like, oh yeah, that's Bedlam's kid. He's like me and Darkoth, and he's just like, what, what? And like, I've read all this, and I, <laughs> I've read all this, and I've been like, okay, yeah, but what? <laughs> like, I I know what happens, and I'm confused. I can only imagine what people who haven't read it, but yeah, basically, they end up they're gonna fight this awesome like demon with a symbiote on it, and it harkens back to the second Venom movie and Liz's favorite scene in that movie, <laughs> which is when he's going to the church and he's like, we're going to fuck this guy up. And they look in and it's carnage and Venom's like, oh, fuck that. That's a red one. You didn't tell me it was a red one. <laughs> and the book ends with it's a red one. And I'm like, excellent. I'm going to have to show Liz that. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad we're back to Thor. Banner of War was fun, but I wish it was like a mini on its own, not interrupting the actual canon. Oh, okay. Yeah, but but it was fun. It, it is what it is. Um, so, what do you think? It was a fun one. It was just such an awkward issue with like he just died in Judgment Day. <laughs> this oh, issue, don't get me started. <laughs> this uh, this um, Venom reference is four issues before it actually happens. The next Venom issue is thirteen, and this is, and then we get a little uh, editor's note that where is it? find out more in venom 17 time travelers it's like thanks thanks marvel <laughs> so because because like we're, we're dealing with bedlam but i don't think we've actually dealt with bedlam's kid yet with a bedlam spawn yet so that's yeah so it's like we I'm don't sure know it's not really a spoiler you know what i mean like like we'll see it's interesting that eddie has control of shit again yes yeah, so, so, so i'm saying it's like I, he he is at the moment he is very much not in control of the situation and now he has all these power ups and these super dope new wings. <laughs> uh, but other than that, like it's like I, I do like for where this is going, where this is going for the, the Carnage book because it's like a, car, a little Carnage reference. Um, but then and and but I, I will say like and then coming back to Thor, the the amount of history I do love. I do love when they pick someone from like the way back that they haven't touched in a while, which is like the the demon that comes through and like they Thor recognizes him as like uh, Desmond Pitt, and then this editor's note, uh, note that he first fought him in Thor 325 and this is legacy 753. So it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
Oh, man. Um, yeah, it's good to have Thor back, though. Okay, totally. They also, after Banner of War, they did take a good chunk of a break, too. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about wild cards. Now, Josue was not able to actually read the, um, the, the issue this week. He is going to catch up. He needs to. I need him to. Especially so, after, after the last one. I, I really didn't want to. I, I just kept waiting on the app. So this is Wild Cards, Drawing the Cards, number three. And uh, it's written by Paul Cornell, penciled by Anid Balam, inked by Lee Townsend, colored by Ruth Redman, and lettered by Corey Petit. Um, so the bomb goes off that just transforms all of New York, right? Mm-hmm. And we focus on one little boy who basically feels normal, goes home, goes to bed, wakes up four weeks later. His entire family is gone, and he's transformed into basically a wolf man essentially yeah um also there's like little terrifying bits that you like where he's walking home and he steps in a puddle and the puddle screams because it used to be a person huh oh and then he leans against a tree that was a person oh shit yeah yeah it gets really weird and grim uh so he wakes up his whole family's gone uh he kind of like does the whole post-apocalyptic wandering around town seeing what's happening thing and um, the tree that he saw has been burned down. Someone burned it down. The one that used to be a dude. Oh. And someone's like, hey, you're one. You're one, too, aren't you? You're like me. I can smell you. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> like, it's fucked, dude. It's so fucked up. And they're basically trying to exist. He, he gets tired. He lays down and sleeps for another week. And he wakes up, and he's no longer a wolf guy. Now he has electricity powers. His powers are changing. Ooh, okay. So it's really interesting, because in Wild Cards, there's like three different kinds of people with powers. Uh, after the... With Wild Cards is the name of it, you know. There's the people with the really horrible ones, like the Puddle. They're called Jokers. Okay. There's the ones that have like really cool abilities. They're called the Aces. And those who get like nothing abilities, like the ability to heat tea you know or something like that yeah. <laughs> they're, they're called deuces this guy changes a lot so he might be something entirely different which if you're not familiar with wild card series i don't want to get into too much so mm-hmm. um i think this is a four issue mini which is very strange oh okay because we're just getting going so but i think it's selling well enough that we might get more i really hope so so Make make a series of this, FX. FX should be the perfect ones to do this. Fuck it. Let's go. So, anyways. <laughs> Next up. Star Wars Dr. Aphra 24. Um, I got this variant. I thought it was cute. I like Dr. Aphra. She's a cutie. Yeah. Um, so. Next up, uh, are written by Alyssa Wong. Art by Minkyu Jung. Colored by Rochelle Rosenberg. And lettered by Jokara Magna. A good chunk of this takes place in her mind. Where she has to team up with the force in her mind to basically try to get out of this reality. Meanwhile, her friends are attacked by a pair of evil droids, which are basically evil versions of C-3PO and R2-D2 called Triple Zero and BT-1. You can see them right here. Triple mm-hmm. Zero uh, is a protocol droid like C-3PO who has been turned into an assassin. Oh, <laughs> which Jesus. Is, just imagine that. That's funny shit. Um, so they're getting attacked while she has this inner struggle. Um, it's really cool. I really enjoy it. And uh, in the end, 
let's just say she finds a special kind of weapon and that's where it ends. So I'm looking forward to Dr. After 25 for the continuation of that. Josue, you're up to talk about Miles Morales, Spider-Man 42, the finale. Legacy 282. Damn, really close to 300. Um, so as a finale, um, we already kind of had our finale, um, like the Empire of the Spider, and then him coming, like him journeying the multiverse and then being able to come back. Um, this last finale is just kind of its own one shot. Um, is again, this book opens to where it starts, how it started with um, monologuing through his journal, and he and Genki and um, fuck, I forgot what the other friend's name is. Um, they kind of go get their, they kind of go get a, a a tarot reading, and that's kind of what the most mostly what the book is. Um, this lady who's kind of basically like the real deal, um, just gives him a, a reading and like. And that's where all these um, guests come to play. So as a finale, um, as a finale for Saladin Ahmed, I've got 42 issues so long um, in a good way. I, I really did love his run. So Saladin Ahmed and with Carmen Carnero, Paris Elaine, Iguara, Paco Medina, and Walden Wong with uh, inking, Elisa E. Martinez, uh, Natasha Bustos, Christopher Allen as artist, with David Guriel with coloring and Corey Petit with lettering. So all those artists come into play with, um, as he's getting his, um, uh, his cards read and it opens up with like the, uh, with, uh, strength. Then it's kind of him with, uh, with little Billy and just like a little family moment. And then it goes into like the tower and he deals, deals with the bully and he kind of does a callback to like the principal that was giving him such a fucking hard time in the beginning. And then he did find out that he was Spider-Man and does a little callback to that. Um, you have the hangman and he has a, basically has like a, uh, a brunch with uh, uncle Aaron. Now that he's back, the magician with um, the person who made his suit and how they made, they made him a new suit with like, it's almost, what does he call it? It has a um, semi-automated, semi-automated, automated uh, nanofibers. Um, so I basically dress himself. And it's like this really sweet, like black suit with like a paisley design on it. It's really dope. He gives the announcement, um, and then he gets he's get he gets read like the lovers, and then the, that's when um, uh, Tiana shows up, and she's just like just gorgeous, gorgeous in that dress. Of course, yeah, um, yeah. They they have a little uh, going out. Um, next one is uh, and then he finally gets read uh, justice, and they kind of go out like a little out of superhero outing. And they team up with the Rhino because the Rhino is fucking awesome, and they, hell yeah! And he's like, he's like, kind of like going, like he's stopping this. Uh, looks like an armored truck. He's like, oh shit, he's gonna steal, but he pops it open, and it's a bunch of a bunch of kids being smuggled, and one of them ends up being like, or his niece got taken, so that's why he's like now against like what's going on here. So it's like the three of them teaming up, and like they they do get um. They do put up put a stop like they find like the 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 ringleader. They put a stop to everything, and like even they're just like surprised that because what is it? Rhino says, um, "You know, you're a real hard ass kid. Glad glad we're on the same side on this one." And it's almost like I'm the one that's supposed to be saying that to you, you know, like to Rhino. <laughs> um, so everything's cool there because Rhino is the best, and it kind of ends it there. Like it's like as he was being read his cards, it's kind of like what did end up happening later in the day. Um, and so yeah, it was just like a it was like a sweet little one shot to just like to kind of close it all off of like just like everybody kind of gets put put back in their place. Um, so we'll see where where Cody's where Cody takes uh, takes miles after this. Nice. 
yeah, I'm 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 excited. It's going to be a new era, and that's always fun. You know? Yeah, Saladin so, uh, Ahmed had like a good tenure on on the character, and I'm, oh, I'm yeah. actually I'm actually excited of uh, who who he tackles on next because he had he tackled Kamala for for a while, and then now with Miles, so I'm I'm really excited who he t- who, who who he gets next. Yeah, me too. All right, next up, The Amazing Spider-Man number ten. Jeez. Jesus Christ. Okay, this is an unofficial Judgment Day tie-in. <laughs> um, written by Zeb Wells, art by Nick Dragota, color yes. by Marcio Meniz, and letter by Joe Caramagna. I I don't want to go beat for beat with this. Um, Pete's getting judged, and the person judging him is Gwen Stacy. That's what you need to know. And if you if Osway wants to look over my shoulder at the wall behind me, <laughs> I'm a bit of a Gwen, Gwen Stacy fan. Let's see, this is one... Two, three, four, five. Is that Gwen right there? No, that's Supergirl. Oh, there we go, right there. there. Six Gwen Stacy's <laughs> just in view of where I'm sitting right now. Um, so it was very emotional. I'm also of the opinion that she's too good for Peter, for the record. So, um, and that was really sweet and emotional. And seeing him kind of like wrap up his like his emotions telling people how he feels like Robbie and Jonah, you know, and I thought that was really sweet. The the scene with miles was just so good. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was great. And just him doing all these things, but we have to talk about three moments. First of all, aunt may being at peace and then realizing that the person judging her is Ben. Dude. <laughs> Like I, when I, when I, when I turned that page, my hand was like covering the corner. So I could could see like the mess, but I was, I was just, I was assuming that that was Gwen behind her. So when I moved my hand, it literally took my breath away. (laughs) It it hurt me physically. Like I was fucking hell. (laughs) Um, the second thing is, is him basically talking to Gwen, fake Gwen. Mm-hmm. And basically explaining why he's working for Norman. And th- they're just like, listen, I'm not Gwen. I am the Celestial. And it's just like, you are a good person, Peter. You're, you're good. And so I'm going to give you a gift. And they bring back actual Gwen. The actual Gwen Stacy comes back to life for just a few moments <laughs> to say goodbye. And I was like, fuck like it just obliterated me you know like i was just like god and then i thought that was enough right (laughs) and then we find out that norman osborne saw the whole thing and he's like she was real she's here he's like put yourself together you're fine everything is fine and we find out the person judging norman is also gwen oh Oh, what the fuck man (laughs) like Oh my god. Brutal. Absolutely brutally emotional book. What did you think? What do you want to add? For, yeah, you're right. It is such a brutal book. Like it just kept like the, those punches in the end were with like an extra ump to it. And I'm just so happy that it was none other than Nick Trigoda to to put that weight into this. Cause like, I just, like, I just, like, like I said, I, I, miss, I say this all the fucking time. I miss East of West. I miss that book so fucking much. I genuinely miss that book coming out. Um, so, and that book is heavy as hell. 
So I miss that art. Like it's like the writing alone, the story is great, but that art just it's just something that I really miss. So when I open the book, or I, I didn't even see the, the names on the cover. So when I open the book and I see and I see Peter's like, this looks so different. Obviously, it's like it's, it, it is different, but it's something I'm, I'm super used to. And yeah, when it all hit me, and it's like, oh, this is it's not going to be good. Like in the best way, it's not going to be a good thing. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think, I, th- I think, I don't think anybody else could have done this book like as right as Nick did, just cause like, I know how heavy, how impactful the book would have been just because it was him behind it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But it's like yeah. the reunion, oh. the reunion is, is, was so good. It was like, I, I just, I had to just power through it. It's like, if I, if I, if I had slowed down, I would have been a mess. I just had to power through right through it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, now we're going to swing over to Krakoa. Gambit number three. I got this cover because Little Baby Storm looks cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is creative team. Where are you? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's weird. Um, written by Chris Claremont with art by Sid Cotian. Colors by Espen Grundinger and letter by Clayton Cowles. This kind of follows up in the last issue where... Uh, Gambit teams up with the sexy uh, marine chick to save her grandma and baby rogue or baby Gambit storm. I mean, Mm -hmm. and storm has to kind of unlock her powers to help them. It's fun. It's, it's kind of a, like, like a junk food story, I guess it's not, I'm not digging my teeth into it. You know what I mean? But it's fun. It's, it's, it's popcorn. It's air and light and fun. So yeah, good. Um, And they kind of tease the next, like, arc which also will probably include leila cheney it looks like so that's fun nice uh next up axe avengers number one <laughs> written by karen gillen drawn by federico vicentini colored by dean white and letter by cory petit or as it should be called axe iron man is the only avenger number one <laughs> <laughs> Because he's the only one on the team. What the fuck? Also, who put this team together? Why is Mr. Sister there? (laughs) um, Yeah, and we're just kind of dealing with, you know, their assault on the um, Celestial. Uh, Iron Man going through basically all the things, all the bad things he's done, which takes a while because he's Iron Man. And um, yeah, we get to see Clone Thor. Thanks for that one, you dick. Yeah. we get to see dead Captain America. Good one. Good one there, Tony. The confession. Yeah, that was a good callback. Yeah. Uh, we get to see fucking Jensen, which is great. Like, just basically all the mistakes Tony's made over the years. Like I said, it takes a while. Um, all the girls in his life talking down to him, which is probably his kink. Um, <laughs> and he basically reveals his whole drive to make machines better is because his parents card literally failed. And if it had been better then they wouldn't have died. So he can always make something better. And I think that's, that's kind of a cool motivation. I never really thought about it like that. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think that's really good. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of what it is. It's mostly just going to be, Hey, this is, this is what's happening with Tony. It's a one shot. It's pretty straightforward. I liked it. I like the art quite a bit actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think uh, Vicentini does uh, Stark very well. I think his drawing of Stark is very good. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, what do you think? No, it was good. I mean, the, the focus on like uh, on Tony was good. I, I again, like we're we're trying to catch like at least as many judgment calls as, as we can get. So it's like yeah, like people are around, but it's really going to be focusing on all, all these times are going to be focusing on one person at a time. 
and yeah, yeah. It, it's just it's so surprising how sometimes like these moral compasses can like switch around because like we know Steve to be such a perfect person, but he failed, and Tony gets a pass. So it's, it's just like it's like who's making all these calls? Yeah, the people that were Team Iron Man during the Civil War, <laughs> people like Liz, <laughs> pro registration <laughs> dumbasses. So. <laughs> All right, and our final book of the week, X-Men 15, which surprisingly is not an Axe crossover. Yeah. Um, I was fully expecting it to be. Um, creative team, written by Gary Dugan, who is an insane person. Art by Joshua Kassara, color by Guru EFX, and letter by Clayton Cowles. We finally are returning to the vault. Yes. <sighs> Man, the way and, it opened up, I had to like close the book back again because I thought this was the X-Force because of Kassara and Forge. Yeah, right? <laughs> So, basically, they pointed a gigantic gun at the vault, and if it opens, it's going to fire a black hole in there. <laughs> um, that goes badly, and we get essentially a dream sequence, if you will, of the children of the vault taking over the world. It's pretty dope. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoy it. It also does a really good job of introducing you to all of the children of the vault if you don't know who they are. Because, um, like, if you didn't read the original run, you probably weren't introduced to them individually. Mm-hmm. Like, Sangre being the, the hydrokinetic and stuff like that. Like, yeah. it's, it's really cool to do it that way. And then we find out that they're not actually, they didn't actually win. It was all, a, a, they're trapped in a dream bubble, essentially. And that was Forge's real weapon when they came out. <laughs> and now the goal is to go get darwin out because he's been there for thousands upon thousands of years and i'm like oh fuck they did leave darwin behind (laughs) like that's (laughs) fucked up um so they're gonna go get him forge makes a cost makes a suit that can adapt and prevent him from aging it out immediately basically so we can go in and get him and they go in or he goes in and we find out i like this shot right here because you can kind of tell before they tell you. Yes. Um, you find out that the big X on his chest is actually Caliban. <laughs> and I'm like, why? he's like, why can't I feel my body? And it's just like, oh. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, Forge? You're supposed to be better than Hank. <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? But yeah, Forge and Caliban are going into the vault to save Darwin. And we see a little glimpse of someone who might be Darwin. I was, I was thinking... <laughs> I was I was thinking that was Darwin as well. Like he he adapted a thousands of years. How could it not? Yeah, but really good. I love the Children of the Vault. I think that was one of the cooler stories during the original era when it came out. When mm-hmm. the X Men team was rogue and a bunch of people on a fucking airship cruising around. Yeah, that's when they had Sabretooth and a fucking um, torpedo launcher. <laughs> Whenever they needed to use them, they just dropped them out of a torpedo launcher at people. Like that shit was great. I loved that run. And cable, she had a cable at the team, and and Scott's like, well, he's not even one of us. He's not even lives at the mansion. She's like, I don't care. Like <laughs> she's like, I'm gonna make the team I want. I love that run, so nice. good. But uh, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. What do you think? Um, it kind of at first I was confused, but then it took. I I, I remembered um, the Marvel Voices book because um, for, for the longest time um, I assumed that Darwin was just straight up black. But then he had a little profile shot on Comunidades that he's like Afro Latino, so it's like, was he the one that named the Children of the Atom? Because like they all have like like Spanish names. No, um, it's just their bases in uh, South America. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, they're they're named by their creators. I'm pretty sure. Okay, because yeah, um, like like all of them, like, like Perro Sangre, 
Fuego Martillo. It's just like it's like, it's like I, I forgot how the names how how the names came up. So it's like I, I just thought, thought it was uh, Darwin. You should read because it's only like a five issue run. If you get a spare moment, mm-hmm. you should read their first appearance. It's um, X Men Volume Two One Eighty Eight, and it was Chris Bacalo and Mike Carey. Oh no shit! Nice. So imagine these characters drawn by Bacalo. Oh okay, like, cool. They're so cool. It's so good, dude. And it's a very short run. It's really good. So I would definitely recommend checking that out. Nice. So. But yeah, um, that's it for the week. Not a ton updating us on Axe. Just a little bit of Tony Stark side story. <laughs> and uh, obviously the tears of Peter Parker. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that is all the comics. Hostway, what else have you been reading? Um, I was able to just read a little bit. Um, I did finish Ozma of Oz and, I was, and I'm halfway into Dorothy and the Wonderful Wizard of Oz the fourth book in the series. Um, but yeah, like, so Dorothy, the wonderful wizard of Oz is kind of fucking dark compared to the rest of them. That's it's like danger, oh, yeah. <laughs> danger after danger, but it's like the scales just keep going up, uh, compared to like anything that they faced before. That's just like to the climactic end. Everything is just like one after the next. Um, so it's been kind of fun. Um, but that's pretty much it. Nice. You're gonna have to read the OZ by David Popoza. After this. Yes, I really do want to. <laughs> I have digitals of the first two. Oh, nice. So yeah, I have digital copies. I'm not going to use so I'll send them to you. Cool. All right. So I, um, obviously I've been listening to Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency. <laughs> Cause it's what I use my audible credit on. It's good. It's, it's not the Sandman. <laughs> so, but you're thinking of yeah. Sandman now. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of Sandman the entire time I'm with her. Um, also fun fact, by the way, I forgot to mention this to you. So wild cards, right? Mm hmm. Uh, the whole universe of wild cards is actually a whole bunch of different creators working with George R. R. Martin, right? Way back when it was created, Neil Gaiman, before he was famous, approached George R. R. Martin and said, I have an idea for a character for the wild cards series. <laughs> and he proposed a character and George R. R. Martin was like, you know what? Make your name a little bit more. You know, I want to, I want to make sure, you know, people like our names, mm-hmm. you know, that write on this. And he says, okay. So he rejected the pitch. That pitch was for a man who lived in a world of dreams. <gasps> he then went on to make the Sandman in DC Comics. <laughs> it was almost a part of the Wild Cards universe. Damn. That was the original plan. Yeah, so I just want to throw that out there. It's fun. So, anyways, I've been reading Marvel Comics: The Untold Story uh, by Sean Howe. Uh, I picked this up, and I've mentioned this before because Rob Liefeld didn't want me to, <laughs> which is the best reason to do anything. Yep. So suck it, Rob. I hope it insults you directly to your face so I can laugh. <laughs> I if I will do a live Twitch reading of everything it says about Rob Layfield. Okay, that's what <laughs> I'll do. So, yes. Good. And I also got a package this week. And we're going to quickly run down everything that came in it. As you know, we are big fans of Destiny New York from mm-hmm. Pat Shand. So, Jose, I'm going to give you an idea of what these all look like because you only saw the group shot. So, Volume 1 of Destiny, New York. Volume 2, Destiny, New York. Volume 3, Destiny, New York. Volume 4, Destiny, New York. Yeah, Volume 5, Destiny, New York. Okay. Keep in mind, I've only read 1 through 3. There's also the short stories. All of the short stories collected in one trade. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's cool. Also, the covers is them hanging out in the coffee shop, which I dig. Um, there's also Cherry Gilbert Necromancer number one. I wanted that one. It's so cool, dude. Like, yeah, it's like, 
It's it's just interesting. Terry getting her own story is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's I need really cool. I, I, I need to check with Pat for a reading order though. That's why I haven't started yet. Oh gotcha. I got gangster ass barista number one. I want one. that too. <laughs> Trinity is my girl. The volume number. You see the name? Volume one. It says regular is not a size your favorite catchphrase thank god oh my god just so just so you all know if you say that to me my response to you every single fucking time is going to be they're all regular sizes (laughs) none of them are abnormal (laughs) exactly uh i also got two versions of smoke weed see the future (sighs) i want the other cover so bad it's so hot you mean this one? Yes, I don't want that one. <laughs> I don't even smoke weed, and this is hot as hell to me. So <laughs> this is a character you'll meet in Volume 3. Oh, uh, cool. And she's awesome. Nice. She makes weed that make you can make you see the future. Uh, so dope. That's basically the idea. That's so dope. And then finally, I got the hardcover of the fifth anniversary art book. That's really nice. And it, inc- it includes art that was never in any other books. Too. Yeah, let me see this random page. So here. Oh, oh, that's so cool. <gasps> oh, yeah, right. Uh, okay, that's a dope book. Yeah. So I will be reading that over the next month, probably. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna restart Destiny in New York, so I can remember everything from. The Ooh, nice. So. You're on deep dive. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited, and and the Kickstarter for Volume Six is already up. Nice. So I'm, I'm already getting towards that and i'm gonna figure out which other trades i need because i think cherry has a second trade out already oh nice i have to check so yeah but that's it did you have anything else you want to add before we wrap it up um no that's pretty much it um yeah that's pretty much it yeah Yeah, it's been a long episode so (laughs) awesome well those are the issues that we had this week make sure to check us out on twitter uh, you can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. You can find our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. You can find Josue at Josue Reads Josue. You can also find this show at WHI Podcast. Uh, you can also find our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. That's our musical playlist building show where every episode we have a randomized category. We're joined by some friends and guests, and we build a playlist based around that category. The next episode, which will come out on Monday, is something we just recorded and had a great time co- with coffee i was just gonna say coffee talk coffee house nice uh which we recorded of course with our buddy steven making his long awaited return to the show um so make sure to check that out on monday morning it'll go out everywhere you listen to your podcast you can also that later that evening join Josue on twitch at Josue plays Josue, where he's going to do a live listen party for the playlist while playing a game uh what the game is will it be mario kart Maybe. Maybe it won't be. We don't know yet. Uh, But make sure to check that out. That's usually around 7 p.m. Eastern. Once again, at Hostway Plays Hostway. Uh, That's it for us. Do not forget to backboard and box your new treasures, and we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics.